Hello, and welcome to the Midmax Show. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Serial Vasquez. Hi. Jeff Marchiafaba. Hey! Oh, good lord, and Kyle Hilliard. Bow! <laughs> I'm just noticing now that there's a smudge of food on the table, Serial, I believe, from mm, our last recording session, you. which is a hint that Midmax right. Episode 2 What's is on the way. What's this smudge? Everybody look forward to it. <laughs> Jeff, um, time to play everybody's favorite game, Sniff That Smudge! Oh. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're supported by Patreon, by lovely people like you. I had a moment um, a while ago just thinking about, like, how... I know it was, like, with the rush to, to launch MidMax, and it was such an amazing groundswell of support and love. And I was just thinking the other day about, like, how nice is it that there's just no corporations involved, no no interest? Like, I just was hit by this wave of, again, of, like, we've got such a pure thing rolling here thanks to everybody in their dinner support and yeah. if everybody decides see ya we'll die <laughs> <laughs> we'll cease to exist but that's just point. a reminder to put out there but just it's amazing to think about it, isn't it like how many like studios like this can be operational with such a loving big audience like and it's just purely independent it's just yeah. purely this contract you tell us what you want we'll make it Handshake, let's smile and feel good, right? It's amazing. They're not trying to profit off of us. They're just enjoying the content. Yeah. And paying for it. That's right. But you're welcome to try and profit off us any way you see fit. Sure. Um, which reminds me Deep of fakes. Uh, you know. <laughs> 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 Deep fakes, help us the deepest dive. Uh, we launched our first episode, our first discussion on the Chrono Trigger. Deepest Dive. So this is like the community game club where we're breaking up classic games, new games. It'll be all over the place. But with Chrono Trigger, it is one episode here. And the first discussion is everything in the game up until you reach the end of time. So right after kind of like the future sci-fi aspect there. Um, so it's about like four hours in or so. Uh, we got more responses for this than we did for The Outer Worlds. And The Outer awesome. Worlds, Microsoft was cramming it down your throat, giving away for free. They're handing out flyers on the street. And it's so heartwarming to see so many people go mm -hmm. and buy Chrono Trigger on Steam. I think that Steam version is totally fine. Some people are weirdos and they're playing on iOS. Some people are ripping out the original Super <laughs> Nintendo cartridge. People are going to GameStops all over the country to try and find the DS copies. So however you found it, yeah. thank you Use so much Amazon for playing Amazon if you can. <laughs> sure, I guess if you want to. But uh, that is on the YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com YouTube slash MinMaxShow. YouTube.com. <laughs> Two ends. <laughs> I think. Uh, and then we have the audio version in uh, the Patreon-exclusive podcast feed. So if you're a Patreon supporter, you get access to this podcast feed and all of the Mac spoilers, stuff like that, go up in there. But it uh, turns out it's very fun to talk about Chrono Trigger in depth. And, hey, here's a secret. It holds up better than you think. Mm. But thanks again for everybody for writing in on that. We're going to fly throughout the rest of Chrono Trigger. So the next episode of The Deepest Dive is going to be next week. It's going to be on January 29th. And so we'll have a post up on the 27th. And so for the next installment, get up until you reach the Kingdom of Zeal. You'll know it if this is your first time playing Kingdom of Zeal. You'll see floating islands and a town called Enhasa. Mm. When you get there to the Kingdom of Zeal, stop. Stop playing and then leave some very insightful and feedback. delete your save file. That's Just, right. Yeah. Uh, we're looking for specifics. So your favorite thing tiniest detail, favorite moment, most frustrating thing. Like, get specific, and there's a good chance that we'll read uh, your response on the next episode of The Deepest Dive. Okay, also, more table setting. Mm. Minfax, which is our weekly Q&A for $20 supporters on Patreon. Um, the next episode is going to be a doozy. That's going to be January 26th at 6 p.m. Central. <clears throat> uh, that's a Sunday compared to the normal Monday recording. Mm. And this is going to be the different one where we're going to do uh, a call-in show. 
So if you're a $20 supporter, even if you sign up right now to be a $20 supporter, only for one month, that's totally fine with us, then you can call in and we'll have a nice chat with you, and that'll be on that MinFax episode. Um, I hope you guys can join me as well, but I'm happy to monologue. I think it'll be, be like a love line vibe of just like calling folks in, rotating through everybody. Mm. So now's a good this time. Is, wait, is this what this all has been building up to? Yeah. Is you trying to reboot love lines? That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, pure of heart, uh, I'm the oob to love lines boo. Anyways, that's way, you should for watch this the, discussion the most recent season of Mass Singer, by the way. You should check that out. Dr. Drew's on it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> figured as much. Anyways, uh, check that out for MinFacts. It'll be a fun time. You get access to the Discord as well, which is a great time. All right. Uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Uh, the biggest game of the year so far. It's wild. Yeah. All right. We've all been playing it. We'll talk about that. Uh, then I want to talk a little bit about Darwin Project, which is Hunger Games inspired, finally out of early access. Uh, Sergio Vasquez, you want to talk about Tokyo Mirage Session, yes. which just got a Switch port. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Uh, some other stuff in there as well. We're going to talk about Knights and Bikes. But why, we say. Well, there might be a secret reason why. Um, and then a bunch of wonderful pieces of community feedback in the back half of the show. Thank you so much. Okay. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Jeff, um, I'm the most curious about your take because we love Dragon Ball there are few stories that I've like played through as many times as all of the sagas from Dragon Ball Z. It's just... I've beaten my head against a wall playing so many Dragon Ball games throughout my history. Some Waiting I love for the one that really captures it. I think so. I think like Fighters, I think is the best Dragon Ball game. Um, but I guess just to tip my hand before you're allowed to speak, I think <laughs> Dragon Ball Z Kakarot is the second best Dragon Ball game ever made. I yeah. I started out skeptical and I've really grown to really enjoy my time with it. But, but Jeff, about, I'm curious about your experience so far. Yeah. Uh, no, I have been enjoying it the the first night i only played for like an hour or two and i was like wow this is much janky i'm i guess i don't know what my expectations were going in but it was i came out of it thinking it's janky i don't know if i want to keep playing it yeah and as i continued to play it i kind of started to understand some of the more obscure systems in it like there, there's a lot of weird stuff the going soul on there. emblems yes. and community the boards community board, I mean, they all that. They, like, really filtered out slowly of just, like, where mm -hmm. there's potential depth in some of these systems. Or yeah. even, like, upgrading your special abilities. Like, wait, there's a whole, like, skill tree for each move that I have? Yeah. What is this hiding Wh in which here Which isn't as clear as you would think that you'd want it to be in terms <laughs> right. of unlocking them and then registering them to your palette, your superpower but palette. But then not only going off, like, you know, the, the skill tree mm -hmm. unlocking them, but then also it's like, oh, then you need to train and actually beat opponents if you want to actually unlock a higher version mm -hmm. of that which is a cool system because it's like well if yeah. you can beat these people that are a higher level than you you can unlock this huge upgrade for your powers yeah. so have at it which is a cool way of doing it yeah definitely. i've never seen uh, that in and, a game before and so as i continue to play it and again this this is my first time really being introduced to the dragon ball story like i said i had researched some of the characters for a column that i did a long time ago but i didn't really understand the lore behind them all. You just and, wanted to make fun of, yeah. why does Goku have dumb hair? Yes, yeah. exactly. Precisely the kind of important, impactful work that I was doing back then. <laughs> Wit. Yeah. Uh, but the I really started to enjoy the story, and I started to enjoy the gameplay more, and I think I am fully on board now. I got to a weird point where I kind of completed that first story arc. Yeah, the and Saiyan so, saga. Yeah, yeah, so now I'm to the beginning, and now... You know, I have to play Chrono Trigger a bunch and all these other things, but I do still want to get back to it and play more of it. So it's an interesting structure where it is a representation of the full Dragon Ball Z storyline in exhaustive de detail. I mean, like, through it is, Boo, 
right? Yes. Yeah. It is stunning the level of detail that they go into with this story in a way that's never been shown in a Dragon Ball game before. You could argue, like, well, Attack of the Saiyans, which is a surprisingly good uh, DS RPG. Speaking of Chrono Trigger, it's kind of in that vein, and it's from Monolith, like the, the Xenosaga folks. Um, I'm sorry, Xenoblade folks. Um, but that, like, just focuses on the Saiyan saga, so that's pretty in-depth, but doesn't have the scope of this, right? Um but yeah, just for the amount that it covers, it goes through all the sagas. And then in between the sagas, they have what I think they call intermissions, mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, yeah. go explore. And starting the game, like it had so many prompts where it's like, hey, this is a game designed to be played your way. Go out and explore. Have fun. See what you can uncover. And it's like, okay, but you're kind of leading me along. And it's like, I think what they're going for is like those intermissions seem to be like the heart and soul of what CyberConnect 2 sees as the core of this game. Yeah. yeah. You can you can start leveling up your character and try and find those places to train and learn new moves and stuff like that all kind of in between the story stuff, which I've actually been enjoying the story stuff a lot. So That, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because like I love the Dragon Ball Z story and, and playing through it now, it, it's fun for me to be like, ah, I remember that part, I remember that part. But I like, there are moments of like legitimate impact that I had watching that show. Like Goku defeating Vegeta the first time yeah. was like a huge deal. Like it was, I was on the edge of my seat watching that. Like it was on the Cup. news. It was on <laughs> the news. But it's like, but watching it now, I'm kind of like, oh, I wonder if someone like Jeff, I'm playing this like really feels the impact of that or if is it just kind of like is it does it feel shallow Do you only like it because you watched it when you were a yeah kid, that's you know? yeah is, right. is it my nostalgia that's making yeah. me enjoy this or is yeah. it is it fun to actually enjoy the story without you know watching the show yeah it's fun i wasn't i wouldn't say that i was on the no, edge yeah, of my yeah, seat or anything so. like that but yeah. it is kind of you go from and i think they do a good job of kind of setting them up as a series of fights that kind of you can tell it was fighting game inspired. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I guess the entire series is kind of built on that kind of yeah. these big matchups between characters. And I think they do a good job of kind of interjecting the story between them and moving you from one to the next. And I can, you, you can tell just how completely ridiculous it gets and your moons are exploding and people <laughs> are turning into giant apes and everything like that. Yeah. It is, man. So I did the math here, apparently. And so. It's around a 30-hour game. Seems like how long to beat has Kakarot at 32 hours. Like, this thing is huge, right? Okay. Um, to watch all of Dragon Ball Z Kai, which is the shortened version, that's a total of 79 hours. <laughs> and honestly, like, if you like action RPGs, open world-ish, we'll get into it, games, like, I think this is a really good way to experience Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. story. Like, you know... Before every single Dragon Ball game where you're going through the sagas, it's like, okay, here's Raditz. Okay, here's Nappa Vegeta. Got it. Cybermen. Got it. And it just like moves you along and skips so much detail. But there are so many cutscenes in Kakarot that like at the pace we're at and I'm like in the middle of the, the Namek saga, like the Frieza saga. At the pace they're at now, it's like, I don't think they're going to really skip any important details at all. I think you will get the total idea here. Yeah. There's like little stuff where it's like they don't really show... Vegeta like killing people on Namek to try and get the Dragon Balls like those types of like tiny things um, but other than that like and you were asking on the Great Goaty Hunt stream yesterday's serial about like well do they really show like the Gohan Piccolo relationships like yeah it's called Kakarot but it is a bad name it should have been called like the complete story or something like that because yeah. like you spend a surprising amount of time as Gohan training they really focus on the relationship with Piccolo in a huge way which is like yeah. man and for- you can take them all fishing <laughs> such a weird true. I love playing because like loved early on playing as Piccolo when Piccolo is still like I'm not a good guy yet 
and being like, let me let me just go fishing with. Don't Piccolo. spoil anything for Jeff. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh. Piccolo might become a good guy at some point. But uh, yeah, just like taking Vegeta fishing and stuff. It's just like so weird. But it's like I like it. Though, yeah, you know? for sure. And I think a lot of people. I think even when we first looked at this or played it at E3 and stuff, it was like, oh, it's basically Tenkaichi battle system, Xenoverse battle system. But I don't think this game should be in the Tenkaichi Xenoverse bubble like it is a tier above that in my mind are you enjoying it as much as i am kyle i think so i certainly like it because i reviewed both the xenoverse games at gi and i definitely like this more because i just want to i like that's what i want i want to be like the combat is very secondary to me as much as like just rolling around flying and those those elements that are important to me of like how does flying feel how does sprinting and jumping feel yeah like they feel pretty good i mean they're not like amazing it's not like feels great jumping's always like why do I have to jump the size of a skyscraper? Yeah. I just want a little hop onto this mountain, mm. and now I'm all over the place. But so, like, I like I like that stuff, and it is. I'm impressed at how exhaustive it is. Like, it's insane. It, yeah. Like it, they are skipping. It's not 100 percent like going dynamic. They skip. I think you were asking about it in the stream serial. Like if they stop at the false planet where mm. they think they go dynamic, they completely skipped that stuff. You but know what I mean? Which is fine. It's which almost is like good, an, it's like know? another iteration of the Kai editing process. Yeah. For this, right? Yeah. And then you don't you don't. Get to hang out on King Kai's planet, you know, which I was like, I was bummed about, but I was like, man, that's like they gotta basically get a, like a Mario Galaxy engine in there. <laughs> yeah, the tech. Make that because like the, uh, King Kai's planet's like a, mm. a small globe that you can circle. Oh, I know. Okay, yeah. I'll just make it. Turn. Yeah. I know but Jeff, what's through. funny is that it has one road going around. Though, mm-hmm. as much yeah, as and he has a car. And but, it, yeah, a car for some reason. And you didn't get to meet Gregory. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or, bu- or bubbles. Or yeah, bubbles. yeah. Yeah. Nothing's been playable in the afterlife at this point, which is the biggest fatal flaw for this game. Is you don't get to run Snake White, Snake Way, and like I don't want to do that for four days or three hundred years, <laughs> however long it really takes. But like I wanted one like novelty experience of just playing as Goku. Going, yeah. <laughs> what if there was a guy who rolled up and said, "Hey, what if you race me across Snake Way, and he just happens to be a motorcycle?" Okay, and so then His name's Johnny. A special <laughs> calls yeah. you baby a lot. That's yeah. right. And the only yeah. way you can win is if you awkwardly <laughs> bump baby him, bump yeah. off the top of him. Uh. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Is like starting out too. It's like oh. This thing is sloppier than I imagined and bigger than I imagined. And it got out for a rough start for me. Like, I was like, okay, this is the type of game that I could see myself really defending if I was 14. But, like, boy, it's pretty it's pretty clunky. It's segmented in such a weird way in the beginning. The environments are blah. The voice lines keep going over and over again. Like, yeah. you get to hear Gohan say, like, I'm so hungry, like 500 <laughs> times. Well, it's, he's hungry, And that's man. a problem throughout the entire game is just looping voices. But then I think once it really pops is when you get into those open regions because there's a world map where you can select which open region you want to go to. But like yeah. that first time of playing as Goku and being like, oh, I just get to run across this environment and I can like just race a car. I can just run next to a car. You can and jump then, on a car. Right. And then going to like Orange City, like I genuinely had a wow moment of like, they built this entire city. Yeah, it's I, insane. I had that with Kami's Lookout. Like yeah. at a certain point, it just opens up, and you can go yep. to the lookout, and you can go to the level below the lookout, too, which is as impressive as those environments are. They don't. I mean, I, it, it's silly to complain. They don't go quite all the way. Like, like you can't explore Goku's house. Like, it's just that kitchen area. There's a right. hallway that you can't. You can't go into Gohan's room, and then in, in Kami's lookout. Um, you can't go in the time chamber. Well, yeah, you can't. Maybe you will in the future. I don't know. Yeah, um, I'd I'm, I'm also on Namek as well, but. Okay. Um, 
uh, I can't remember his name, but the cat who who grows the sensu beans. Current. Yeah. Current. yeah, like his in Dragon Ball, like there's a full level down there that you can that, yeah. like Gohan, Goku explores where he like looks in these vases of water and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's not there. Like you can't it's just like a flat area to explore. But the fact that you can go there is like it's such a dumb thrill that I love. Like if it's if for licensed games, it's like I just want to walk around in the areas that I yeah. recognize from these shows or movies and it totally it does that you yeah know? obviously earth is a lot more exciting than namek where it's like oh namek okay about the same color grass <laughs> and water everywhere uh they give you like you know it's like okay here's like the frieza style spaceships that you can destroy because there's kind of like you know enemy bases that you can blow up and stuff yeah but and it is thrilling to blow those up let me tell you <laughs> that's i mean this is one of those weird things too is like just in terms of why it's just a little finicky and a little clumsy is just how much it changes the controls based on if you're exploring in the world versus like actually in combat. Just simple things like when you're exploring the world, as far as I can understand, you can shoot energy blasts, but you have to be in first person mode. And then like you're aiming with the right stick and then you hit X to shoot it. So you have to like aim and then stop and then tap X. You have to do this awkward claw thing just so you can shoot a dinosaur or shoot those enemy bases. Like, yeah. What a weird decision, right? Dinosaurs running around. We should at least That's super that. fun. Yeah. I love that stuff. Oh, Jeff, I'm yeah. sorry. Do you want to hug your mic? <laughs> yeah, well, it's been like 15 minutes, so it's about time. <laughs> um, uh, Suriel, what do you think of this thing so far? So I've only, I haven't played as much of it as you guys. I've, I think I'm maybe an hour in. So like, I'm still at the point where you guys were, where it feels kind of rough. Like the controls don't yeah. feel super consistent. Like I'm having a little bit of trouble like figuring out like enemy signals during combat. You know, like during our stream, we kind of tried to figure out like, okay, when he's glowing this color, do this. And like, there's a lot of like, okay, when this person's doing this, do this specific thing. Yeah. Like it's very, it feels kind of rigid in that sense. But I've, I haven't, you know, obviously done a ton of fighting. But I'm glad to hear that you guys think that it. That gets better once you get over that hump of like, okay, now I'm kind of used to what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, um, that it gets better. But like, yeah, like a lot of the voice acting, it feels like they kind of the editing of line reads feels kind of rough. Where it's like, okay, we're gonna say this thing now. We both of our both of our character models will turn and rotate, and now we get to say the next thing. Yeah. Like it, it, right, like that kind of activate scripting. scared animation. Yeah, activate exactly. happy so, animation. I think it's a great yeah. looking game overall, but definitely some of those like they have so much dialogue to get through that there's a lot of just locking the camera off. Let's have Bulma talk to Krillin for three minutes here. Yeah, you know. Um, have you guys been hitting bugs at all? It's crashed I, a couple times on yeah. PC for me. I had when there was the the point where you're Vegeta, you have to go talk to Vegeta and Nappa. It gives you like you can explore a little bit and level up, and then you go talk to them. Yeah. I for whatever reason the icon just disappeared, like to go find them, and like I I you know reset the game and tried to find, and then basically what I ended up having to do was like pull up a walkthrough of someone playing the game and f- pinpoint on the map about where they were. And then, like, I could go find them. But, like, oh, the, the thing just disappeared. And then I, I'm going to try this. We'll see if this works. Um, I had during a, a, a cutscene where it was, like, the cutscene where I had defeated Vegeta. Yeah. And, like, you know, you, you get a number of cutscenes there, uh, which is which is cool. Like, they, they really take the time to animate those, like, more – those bigger sequences. And um, I just had this thing happening where, like, I don't know if, like, a little piece of geometry got stuck or something, but there was just this really – loud like grinding just like going on in the background of like what amounted to about like five minutes worth of cutscenes. Oh, great. Well torture us, please. Yeah. Daddy. Well I won't play a lot of it, but okay. Um, okay. So this sound is just playing over these moments of like Goku giving Krillin the spirit bomb. Really? Like it's just and it was like like you could hear Oh boy. <laughs> just that happening in the background. And it was like the whole, it was such a bummer because it was like the whole sequence of 
like you know uh, Goku trying to convince Krillin to let yeah, Vegeta yeah. go, and it's just like loud rumbling happening in the background. Nice. It's like, oh, boy, you guys are playing okay. on Xbox. Xbox, Xbox yeah, yeah, and I, I, it's been fine except there the only glitch that I had was in the. In the first area, you you kind of go fishing with Gohan, and yeah. then it, and then you're saying, you know, Goku says like we should get back, but you can decide to stick around in that area. And I ran back up to where it started, and there was another Goku just like yes, frozen standing there. Yes, I had the same thing there. too. Yes, yes. And I was like, like, is this some joke? Like, what's yeah. happening or it's here? Yeah, Goku. like that's where you spawned in, and it kind of just respawned you there, but yeah. then it's just motionless. But other than that, uh, I haven't run into any that's problems. Cool. Yeah, so. I think. Um, other critiques is just like I like exploring the open regions and it seems like Cyber Connect's trying to get you to celebrate like oh you can go anywhere and do so many things and like there are uh, little side quests you can go on which is kind of fun like okay here's Pilaf and the gang and you can help them um, or like here's the you know the martial arts announcer just like mm-hmm. sitting out with his car in the middle of nowhere or like my yeah. favorite was Baba is out there and you talk to her as Gohan and it's like read my fortune fortune Baba and then Baba's just like well you got a tough life ahead of you like, yeah, it was like yeah, a, was cool. it just a strangely emotional moment, <laughs> but like your life is going to be very difficult and a series of brutal challenges, and you'll never be happy. Okay, goodbye, go on. <laughs> it's brutal. Then you have to deal with finals. Yeah, <laughs> I, I found launch as well. You know, yeah. like because she actually gets integrated in the story at a certain point, but like right. I found her just hanging around on the edge of a cliff, and she's like, "Oh, I crashed my car." And I was able to like go walk down the cliff and go find her crash. Oh, car. that's cool. I didn't like you don't get anything for that. There wasn't like you know tangible reward, but I was like, oh, yeah. that's cool. Just like a little moment here. Of I think there launch. was like a power up down there. Was there? Okay. Maybe, How elaborate are those quests? Because when I played it at E3, Very definitely simple. felt like yeah, yeah. You, yeah, like you talk to this person. Oh, I need I need you to go get me the thing, and then you walk over to another part, and then you bring it back. To them. It's that pretty much like, that. Yeah, like yeah. they might like have oh no, you need to fight more of those robots from Dragon Ball flying mm-hmm. around. Yeah. It's like you're fighting the same enemies a fair amount. But the good th- news. Is that like a Namek at least? It's like okay, there's so many of Frieza's goons that like there's slightly more variety there. Yeah, you know, I, I like the uh, side quest where you had to find porn for Goku's master. That's right. And then mm-hmm. it turns yeah. out that porn is just one of the major currencies in the game. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's, that's Dragon Ball. It's, it's mm. just a present that you can give to people mm-hmm. to upgrade your adult rating. That's which right. Is just a thing. And that's on the community. Community board, yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, so Mr. Roshi. you can stick all the perverts in that section, I guess. And <laughs> okay, so we got Chaozu, we got Bulma, uh, Master Roshi. Mm-hmm. Characters Yamcha. in the game, is that? That are perverts. Oh, that are perverts, yeah. okay. I think that, that's about Yamcha, covers it. Yamcha, well, he's more just a desperate loser. There's also, did you get, there's a, you can, as Gohan, you can find Poir, and he's kind of like, I don't, we've never met. I don't. Yeah, think. there's a lot of like, introductions, yeah. which are I like fun. those kind of things. Yeah. I also saw someone tweeting, apparently... There's lore for why some people are animals. Like what? There's like there's a bit of dialogue where they're like, yeah, we took the uh, beast potion so that we could become beast people. What? Yeah. <laughs> Has that ever been established? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I mean, because there's just like anthropomorphic animals in Dragon Ball. Like there's yeah. like cat yeah, stuff. I'm not, yeah. I'm not yeah. down with this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, because I brought up the moon thing yesterday too that you were yeah, surprised by, and I don't moon. know if they're if they're just making up. Lore well, he's or... saying that he there was lore that revealed that that wasn't the real moon that Piccolo destroyed. Which... Yeah, where'd you find that? Was that like... it was in the game? It, it someone like in the because there's like there's in that... like the codex or whatever okay, that yeah. explains stuff. There was just there was a little note that just said actually yeah, it was an illusion so and apparently that the illusion of the moon blowing up was enough to biologically change it's a placebo back dude into a kid. Yeah. i guess so well yeah. I, I wonder if it's because like master roshi was the first to blow up the moon but like then <laughs> i wonder if the moon that piccolo destroys is like a fake moon that they used to replace the moon and that's what 
oh, that's alluding projection. to. It's like the, the, the Earth's second moon or whatever. I did. There is a person in town who, you know, there's those characters who just have, they don't they don't speak or anything when you go up to them, but they'll have dialogue bubbles yeah. over their head. And one there's one person who was like, oh, the moon blew up. And that's like, <laughs> yeah. that's more than anyone has ever acknowledged <laughs> the moon in yeah. any. And that's like, the thrill is like talking to those random people. Like yeah. trying to explain it to Jeff. I'm like, We've never really been able to do this in a big way in a Dragon Ball mm-hmm. game. Just like walk around town, yeah. talk to people, shop, you know? Yeah, those yeah. are the people who are like, whenever something's going on and like the world is getting straight, you see like one reaction shot of like, oh my gosh. And yeah. then like, those are the people you can talk to in yeah. this game, it looks I like. Think, I think Dragon Ball Super had a scene where I think they called the Dragon Balls and Shenron, which is like when you, I'm, I'm explaining this to Jeff because I don't know if he does, mm-hmm. but like when you bring the Dragon Balls together, this giant dragon shows up and the, the skies turn gray. And like they had an episode in Dragon Ball Super, I think it was, where they were doing that, and they cut to like some people in the city, and they're like, "Ah, that's Capsule Corp. Who knows what they're <laughs> doing over there?" Which I love that idea. They're just like, they're, "This company is always up to something," and we're just we don't even ask questions I anymore. I always think about that, like how commonplace it is. Anytime somebody dies, just to be like, "Well, we got the Dragon Balls. We'll bring them back. No big whoop." But it's like. Hey, I think the rest of the world would riot if they knew that you were like bogarting immortality <laughs> and like not reviving everybody who's died within the last couple weeks. Which well, I know they, they do it. They do it I once. know they do it in a twisted way. Yeah, later, but still, you know, it's like you share this with humanity. Yeah, we yeah. need some governing board for these Dragon Balls, <laughs> and it made me laugh too. Like in the opening, I forget how they phrase it in the show, but it's just so silly. The scene with Raditz talking to Vegeta and Nappa, and he's like, "Oh, that's right." I have a brother named Kakarot who's on Earth right now. I'm pretty sure that's completely new. Is that right? I'm right. I don't know, Cyril, if you remember. I don't think they they went. Like, yeah. I don't think there was ever a scene where Raditz was talking to Vegeta and Nappa okay. like before. I don't think so. Because I'm pretty sure like the first time you see Raditz is it's at uh, the Kame House. Yeah. Okay. And I like that's the one of the really fun things. Like one of the reasons I like that Saiyan saga so much is like you know it was the first time I was watching Dragon Ball. I didn't know what Nappa and Raditz looked like, and the opening right. of the show actually had them silo- a silhouette tease for them. Yeah. So it was like a big reveal when you finally got to see who are these two Saiyans who are even stronger than Raditz. Right. And so like I. To like just have them there in the beginning, like arms folded, being like, I don't know, do you have a brother? Go, why don't you go take care of that? Like that kind of ruins the sort of reveal. Of right. that, you know? And I always loved um, Giant Bombs Dragon Ball podcast, which was fantastic when it was running they went through yeah, the entire it's saga. And it's called All Systems Goku. But it always made me laugh that when Jeff Kurtzman and Dan Rakert were watching it for the first time, they're like. Well, this Raditz guy can't be dead. Raditz has to be a huge deal because it's Goku's brother, and it's just never acknowledged again. It is just a bizarre concept. They've actually teased Vegeta's brother, but yeah. yeah, One of the few enemies that is just like one and done, you know, like, which is funny. He should be so important. It's Goku's brother. Like, I know his design is not great, but I want to see Raditz in Super Saiyan 3 where his hair gets even longer, just drags (laughs) on the ground behind him. Oh, you know what's satisfying, too, in this game is... Popping that KO Ken. Like, I can't wait to have Super <laughs> Saiyan, but like, popping that or even like doing the charge up to the Pop point that, that you get. Yeah, but like doing the charge <laughs> to the point that it's like, Brah! and you just do like the full energy break. Like, yeah. just being able in a game like this to have that trigger when you want it. And I feel like it's all really satisfying. Or even just small things in combat are still satisfying to me, even though I've done them so many times at this point, of just like charging in and flying top speed towards somebody and then just like punching them or doing the, the warp behind and hitting them into the ground. Like, I know it's a little bit repetitive at times, but I was expecting much more of that Tenkaichi, like awkwardly floating at a 45 degree angle and punching up. And I Mm. feel like the combat in this game is best if you just don't worry about flying up and down in the combat. Like try and stay on one plane just to alleviate that jank. And I've had a lot of 
like uh, fights where it's like, I think that was actually really cool looking. I think yeah. they pulled it off. Yeah, and it is it is pretty button mashy, but there's enough strategy there. And yeah. and when I was playing, when we were trying to play it on your your version uh, yesterday during the Goaty Hunt, yeah. Uh, I realized that I missed some moves that I had already unlocked and kind of leveled up a little bit, and it was like, okay, it does actually feel different. Like, oh, really? That, that's that's something that kind of faded in the background, and I wasn't really thinking about until I didn't have that kind of, you know, like the specialization I had done up to that point, and so and the skill trees are so huge that I'm looking forward to kind of unlocking more of those and like yeah. investing in the ones that I like and those kind of things. Yeah, I'm I'm really impressed. With this yeah. overall production, it's I mean, not it's not perfect. I don't want to overhype it. But yeah, like, like it's almost worth saying that like like you and me, Cyril hasn't played as much as I. And I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it. But like I think our sort of appreciation for it is heightened a bit because it is just like this is a, the kind of Dragon Ball I've wanted game that I've wanted for a while. Yeah, like it does. Like the open world sort of exploring is, is shallow. There's not like you don't really find well, those really orbs exciting are things. really littered everywhere. Yeah, so. and like. And the com and the combat is like is is good. They've had two games to kind of like mold that Xenoverse style of, of fighting, you know. Yeah, but I mean, numbers are on these, so it's, <laughs> it's better. I'm pretty sure they were in Xenoverse. Too. Is that right? I, probably. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's wholesale, like pretty much the exact same thing. Like, but it is. I I do like it a lot more than the Xenoverse games because Xenoverse was all about that combat, so it got yeah. repetitive really quickly. Where this, like, you get to break it up with like exploration, right. so it doesn't feel quite as repetitive, which is nice. Yeah. But um. Yeah, like I, I really, I'm enjoying the game and I'm really liking it. But there are definitely like cut corners. It doesn't feel like this big, you know, like uh, huge budget game or anything. There are moments where right. it like feels mm-hmm. like, like the, just like there's not much to find in the open world. Ultimately, is like maybe like the biggest knock against it. You know, right. it's like there's orbs around and so like, many orbs and you so can many rings to fly through, pick up materials and stuff. But it's I don't like, understand what all those gears are for well, yet. Am I well, building something later? You when you like because you have that 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 tree with Bulma. You know where you start. Uh, like, there's going to be things that you can use to like build with that later. I think okay. it's kind of like a cooking system, but you're like building right. stuff. You, know, you okay. just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, so. yeah. Other than the pieces to to build the spaceship to go to Namek and yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, Jeff. Um, where is the story going? You're going to go to Namek. What do you think happens mm-hmm. in the rest of Dragon Ball? Like, what do you know happens in the future? Uh, you're gonna fight a bunch more people no, and everyone's gonna specific. die and come back. Try and guess like what do you know about the lore? Um, well, I know quick. nothing where, about the lore. Yes, you do. Where, where exactly are you in the game? Are you on Namek? Are you on? No, the new planet? I'm not yet. Okay, there, there was. I'm still in the intermission. I think at okay, this point. Okay, cool. Okay, yes. So I'm sure you're gonna fight Vegeta again. Okay. Right. Okay. He's the big bad. I mean, I don't know you. I'm. I know. Don't that, need to get angry, I'm, Vegeta. I, cool. I know. I know they're going to introduce a bunch more because they showed kind of like a preview of the next yeah. of the next part that you're going up, and it was like a bunch of completely different characters that I didn't right. know. So I have no idea what's. You're going to fight a god at some point. No. Something? <laughs> That's just Dragon Ball Super. Yeah. Don't be naive. That's the follow oh, okay. thing. Um, what's what, Vegeta's fate? What do you think is yeah. the ultimate fate of Vegeta? Based on what you know, um, well, now that you say that, I'm gonna guess that you're gonna team up with him at some point, okay? Maybe or something, okay? Um, it will shock and surprise you. You know about the concept of Super Saiyan, kind of. I mean, is that just another form that you turn into and you're more powerful? Do you know what it looks like? Your hair turns blue. 
Close. Okay. Very interesting. <laughs> I'm very interested in your experience going through this. Let's Do check you know, in again next week. Have you ever heard of Cell? Is that character? Microsoft Excel. <laughs> okay. Mm. Have you ever heard of Boo? Yeah. Have you heard of the Androids? Yeah. From yes. our from one of our cover stories oh, or something. Yeah, we had so the, I know they're they're mm. robots. That's right. Because the Dragon Ball like Fighters. People. Yes. Maybe I think And they're supposed to be strong. I don't know. They're supposed to be strong. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing too, is like it's tough to I think this game is perfect if like if you're looking for a bigger action RPG and you don't mind like going through the saga one more time. Like we've experienced it so many times, but like I just played through that fighters story mode, what, two years ago when that came mm-hmm. out. That was brutal. That was so stupid. And like, and I, lo- <laughs> I, 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 I get that the fighting Ouch. might might have graded on you, but I, I no, think the that story, story graded on me. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the side stuff is definitely like the the thing in that in that mode. But like, the main story is like, I, I, don't, I didn't mind it, but I didn't love it. I sure. Guess. Like the first chunk, I didn't mind, and then the second and third is like, oh my god, this is a slog. Um, so it's just so satisfying to see it done with this production value overall, right? And like. Yeah, Jeff, and we just have this story drilled into our heads over so many mm-hmm. games. Like, I really enjoyed the legacy of Goku games back in the day on Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Ariel, you played those too? Yeah, Kyle, I have not played those. No. Okay, and it's like, I will defend those games, but it was really just your Goku running around punching wolves until your experience meter goes up and then you level up. But when I loved RPGs as a kid, it's like, well, this is, I guess, the best Dragon Ball RPG I can play in the West at least, right? Um, but I just want to emphasize, like, what's so cool about it, Jeff, I and mean, I hope you're starting to see, like, aspects of this just with like how much Gohan has changed from the very beginning we were such a whiny brat and Mm -hmm. now he's just a slightly less whiny brat but like what I love about Dragon Ball is just the fact that it's a storyline that's just going on for so long especially Serial being a huge fan of Dragon Ball Mm -hmm. like knowing those characters so well seeing them evolve throughout time and like in Dragon Ball Super eventually Piccolo is like watching Gohan's kid you know, like on daycare, like that type of stuff, like mm. rips my heart out. It's so sweet to be like, oh my God, we've, we've known Gohan since he was a little kid. And now his kid, it's our family is what I'm trying to express, <laughs> Jeff. Um, and it's very fun to see. And they're coming over for Thanksgiving this year, so be ready. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think it does a good job of kind of telling an abridged version of that from, at least from what I can tell. And like hitting all of the important beats. Like, I, yeah. I feel like I have a very good understanding of that first story arc yeah. now at this point. Yeah, and I know, really do. And I know all the important characters in yep. it. And I, and I feel like I, it's something that I'm not going to forget at this point. And, like, yeah. if someone brings up Krillin, you know, a year from now, I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember all the connections. And the game has these insane flow charts. Have, oh, have you seen yeah, that no. in there? Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It, yeah. it looks like something we would have created at Game Informer to like make fun of how convoluted everything is with like all the connections between people. Yeah, but and and they apparently have one for every story arc. But when I looked at the full map, and it's like this is absurd, and there are lines going all over. But I understood all the connections at that point, <laughs> yeah. and that that was cool. It's like That's yeah, so Krillin absurd. and Goku will say like childhood friend, and it'll have like Goku and Vegeta will be like defeated Goku, and Vegeta will have a, like a brain. Coming up and me like def- like killed Nappa and stuff and it's oh, like really? really dense so I was I was impressed by it yeah oh wow yeah. that's confusing it's crazy to think about CyberConnect two the developer of this game because they go back uh, but most notably is they were working on the Final Fantasy seven remake mm. and then they were pulled off that remake a couple of years ago um, and it was a very confusing thing like Square said we want to bring Final Fantasy seven's development fully in house not partnering with CyberConnect anymore because we want to focus on quality. And there's like an old interview from 2015 with Katase where 
Uh, who's Katase? Uh, he's the original director of Final Fantasy VII. Now he's like the producer, but he directed a lot in the middle of Final Fantasy's run. Mm. Um, but he was talking about like how him and Nomura had an argument with CyberConnect2 because despite them partnering with CyberConnect2 because they said that they understood video production really well, so they wanted their expertise in trailers and stuff. They said that like the first reveal trailer for the remake of Seven was not up to par and it wasn't the tone of Final Fantasy they were going for and stuff. And so this mm. Famitsu interview from 2015, they were complaining about it back then. And then there were like weird... There's this weird leak where this Dan, uh, Dan Sukasa guy, who's an art director working in Tokyo, I guess on Reddit, he was talking about how when Square took the project back from CyberConnect2, that they scrapped all of CyberConnect's work on the Fantasy VII remake. Like they didn't mm-hmm. save any of it because they said it was so subpar overall, which is brutal. And then that Dan guy, his Reddit account and his Twitter account were just like gone. He's just like scrubbed free from the internet. It was a very weird, weird saga several years ago. I got to him. Um, but uh, it's just fascinating to think about CyberConnect 2. They made a bunch of Naruto games. They made Tail Concerto, which is a very yeah. Mega Man Legends and inspired game. And those Naruto games are, are solid. Wrath. Yeah. Wrath, yeah, for sure. But it's crazy to think about them working on Final Fantasy VII, which is a huge project. And then they're like, okay, well, let's just go for part one. Let's really just focus on Midgar, right, for the remake. Maybe a little bit more. We don't know. Um, and then to go from that project, getting S canned from it, and then being like, okay, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, well, it's a huge story, and they're like, F it, let's do the whole thing. I yeah. think it's like mm-hmm. it's commendable that they're like, we're going to release all of this. It is such an absurd amount of work to get all of the sagas. They very easily could have done up until the end of the Frieza saga. I don't yeah. think anybody really would have complained too much, yeah. but they bit off so much, and it seems like the opposite of what they went for with Final Fantasy VII and the remake. Yeah. I'm curious to see... NPD for like next month and see where Kakarot lands. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty certain it'll be up there and I'm pretty certain it'll be high. Like it's like I think people Dragon Ball gets underestimated sometimes, you know? I think also so many Dragon Ball fans are like um they're a little beaten down, you yeah. know? I think they're a little bit like, okay, I've I've had so many messages of people being like, "Can I actually look into this?" cuz so many people are Dragon Ball fans, but we've just been burned so many times and like there's been so many rallies of like, "No, this Dragon Ball game's good." Eh, but not really. And I I do feel like this is a notch above yeah. Almost anything that it's, they've ever produced. It's the most fun I've had in drag, with a Dragon Ball game in a while. Discounting fighters, just because I'm not a big fighting game fan. Right. But like right. this is like I, this is what the the Dragon Ball sort of approach I wanted. Open ish world. Like I want to be able to fly around. It's like was important to me. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. So hey, hats off. I'm gonna keep playing it, and I wanna I wanna check in on the storyline with you every once in a while, Jeff. I'm... All right. Well, don't ask me next week because I'll just be talking about Chrono Trigger. But <laughs> for the deepest dive, that's, that's close fun. enough, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. Dragon Ball. It really so. is. I mean, yeah. I mean, is that a bizarre experience to be like submerged in the world of Toriyama here for the first time? <laughs> e, I I guess they don't feel that similar to me, but I'm going into both of them as completely new things. So right, yeah. right. But. Uh, Serial Vasquez, mm-hmm. Tokyo Mirage Session. Speaking of intermissions. Oh, interesting. So this was a Wii U game that I started, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, like, oh, this is a lot better than people are giving it credit for, and then I yeah. didn't get that far. So uh, this is a Tokyo Mirage Sessions, hashtag FE Encore. Um, yeah, no, we, we, we know. Okay, okay. <laughs> we all know the full sure. title. <laughs> no, I was explaining it for Jeff since he's new. <laughs> right. And I just uh, threw up in my mouth a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Uh, so the so this is a, a Fire Emblem slash uh, Shin Megami Tensei 
crossover, but I think so far it feels like it's 90% Shin Megami Tensei, so it's like... And very Persona Yeah, well. like, I mean, those games are kind of similar in, like, structure, but, you know, very different in tone, but yeah. I think this le- this honestly, it feels like it leans more towards Persona than Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, I think yeah. the the fact that they're in Tokyo and they're kind of, like, a little older than, like, the Persona kids, basically, uh, it feels kind of weird, but, like, yeah, I think if you're kind of a, a Fire Emblem fan looking for another game, I don't think this is that. Uh, so unless you're into both series, which is I don't know how big that cross section is, but but uh, I mean I didn't know either, and I don't think it's going to be completely off-putting. Like there's going to be a lot of right. There's nods that you're going to yeah, miss. But... I think Fire Emblem gets like uh, some like aesthetic nods. So basically, what you you you're exploring dungeons as like a you know a, a, a bunch of kids, and uh, you have like a three-member party, uh, and so like instead of summoning personas, you summon. Um, like characters from the fireman world, but they're not even like so. The main character's, um, you know, spirit basically is Krom from my Fire Emblem Awakening. Yeah. Um, and but he does. He, it's not like it's me, Krom, right? Like it's it's like this weird like uh, shadowy ghost version of him. And I don't know that his like personality is super important to the game so far. And so like other characters in your party have their own personas that are also based on those Fire Emblem characters. And it's like, oh, this character from this game, this character from this game. Um, but there's not a whole lot of swapping. Like the, your main thing is that you're swapping between different weapons. So like, oh, here's the Falcon. Here's like, you know, a, an iron sword, steel sword, kind of that kind of thing. Um, and so th- it uses a lot of the, you know, Shin Megami Tensei persona weaknesses where it's like, okay, this person, there's axe, there's piercing, and then there's... Um, Sword and those are like the that's how Fire Emblem factors in is that there's three different types of attack, but there's like here's Zio like that's that's the, the lightning spell in Persona and Shin Megami Tensei games, but like you're doing a lot of dungeon crawling, but there's also um, like this overworld kind of like hey like, you're trying to be a pop star it's kind it's kind of a little ten two in there yeah yeah so like the idea is that you know you meet this like very famous pop star called Kyria I think her name is and then you realize like oh I'm a pop star but I think that that factors into how I'm able to to fight monsters because like my whole persona is like I'm a singer in combat or whatever uh, and so you're trying to um, go into these these world this like other world area and that's where you're doing all the dungeon crawling um, but it feels like a very simplified version of that in that like the so far the dungeons haven't been super crazy um, the monsters have been fairly simple and like the combat system isn't like all that intricate you have three part you only have a three member party uh, and like i said there's not a whole lot of variety in terms of builds and stuff and it's but it's turn based combat yeah it's turn based combat um and instead of the like the normal weakness stuff um where it's like hey if you hit someone with an with like zeo and they're weak to zeo you get another shot which is what you do in persona instead um there's a lot of like conditional bonuses where uh eventually your party members learn how to do combos which is like okay uh if you hit someone with a weakness and someone has like the like Oh, someone's hit my, my someone's someone has hit someone else with lightning, and that it's that's like a critical. I, it, uh, only if they do lightning will I use my kind of combo attack on them, and then you can have a thing where it's like, well, that was a lance attack. Someone else in your party has the lance combo, so you can do like lightning lance, and then like a third additional combo, and that that can kind of escalate. Uh, Hanson, yeah, um, <laughs> is it fun? Uh, I'm liking it so far. It feels very. It feels like again an even more simple version of like even even Persona's combat, which is like simple right. but flows very quickly. This feels um, this feels like an even simpler version of that because you have so many skills and 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 um that are just kind of like these passive bonuses that you just. So at some point you just kind of set your characters loose on on the enemies and they just like cool stuff happens basically, which is interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of people that maybe even played Persona four or five 
own a Switch or upset that Persona 5 isn't on the Switch yet. Right. Right. Is this like a good yeah, I think alternative? This, this will appe- yeah, this will appeal to those people, but I think more, more than anything else. And to be fair, I'm not super familiar with like Shin Megami Tensei games, so sure. maybe maybe there's like a lot of stuff that I'm missing. But it, like as someone who has played the Persona games, this feels like it's scratching that itch. Um, but I will say that like for Fire Emblem people specifically, it doesn't have a whole ton for them. Like when you level up, it makes the Fire Emblem noise and the dings for like the different stat bonuses. Like there are these aesthetic touches that will appeal to like Fire Emblem fans. Um, and like, I think the characters are like cool. Like there's one. Um, I one thing I do like is that you're kind of very like quickly thrust into the like oh you're at a like a uh, you're kind of there to see a concert and at some point like the 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 evil mist breaks out or whatever and you're transported into the other world and um, you were texting your friend uh, ahead of time I was like hey let's meet up like where are you and then at some point he's like uh, I got transported to this other world <laughs> and your friend is like okay look just say, just stay there I know what's going on I'm gonna like I I've already been, I've been involved with this and, like and you're kind of being thrust into the middle of this conflict yeah uh, or like which is like usually like it's the other way around where you discuss it first, and then the, you, right, you have to explain right. to your friends like what is going on. Yeah, like I like that everyone is already like, no, this is this has been going on for a while. We this know what's going. On. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, and so like, y- there are I think six chapters, and so like I just beat the first main dungeon, and I, I have like a new party member, and then there are these intermissions uh, <gasps> like at, between Ooh. chapters for that are basically like, hey, here's where all the side quests happen. You don't have to do them here, but and like the the they don't pertain to the story at all. But it's yeah. like they, it unlocks special bonuses. So now you have a bunch of like. If you do a side quest for someone, it'll unlock like another passive bonus that'll you know help you out in combat, and that's where yeah. you learn about characters. Like, hey, here's this like the, that Kyria who's like she's very like kind of cold towards you, and kind of uh, the first side quest you do is like, oh, I have like a tender side for like the stuffed animal that I lost, and so like you start revealing different aspects of the characters, so you have that you know uh, story based incentive to do that stuff as yeah, well. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it so far. It's not like I think I they very explicitly tell you like oh, try not to get over leveled because then you'll enjoy the game less because it's like you have, you have a, a training area where you can go and fight monsters uh, and you can get these items that will immediately level you up. Yeah. Uh, and so I think they're trying to go very, they're, they're, this feels like an introductory like, hey, if you don't, if, if Persona games are too hard for you, then maybe try this. Okay. Uh, so they're like, hey, don't do too much of the training, otherwise right. the game will be too easy. Sure. Um, Tokyo but, Mirage Session. Yeah, I'm I, like, it's, it's, it's a perfect RPG for Switch if you're looking for something that's yeah. like 50 hours, you know. It, remember like at the first reveal video for the Switch, they revealed Shin Megami Tensei 5, and they have not talked oh. about it since, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're right. Yeah. Maybe they gave some vague updates, but it's weird that they still haven't put even like a year they gotta, on that game. They, they gotta, gotta make another Persona Scramble, man. Yeah, they, and Persona 5 Royal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, people have been wanting that. Uh, I'm so glad this is out on Switch. Like, it's not even really my genre or anything, but like, it's great. Like, it's one of those games that like, especially with Persona 5 becoming as popular as it did, mm-hmm. like, it's one of those games that like I would mention to people and they'd be like, I had no idea that existed. Yeah. Because it's like it just was on Wii U. It just was it died on there. You yeah. know, but it's like with three houses out and Persona Five like being I know it's not it's more Shin Megami than Persona, but that's yeah. all kinda like under the same umbrella a little bit. Like it's it's great that this is on Switch and it's another one of those things where it's like I bet it will genuinely find new life on yeah, this new platform. I hope yeah, so for, for sure. sure. Uh, one thing I will say is that it, this does not have an English dub. Uh, so if you're oh, the yeah, kind of person who oh, likes who you know for whatever reason doesn't like Japanese, uh, like if you, if you don't like reading the subtitles, then this might not be for you. But you know I'm I'm enjoying the story. Like a lot of the, I end up just reading more than like hearing the voice acting since so it's not going to do much for me personally. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm enjoying it so far. I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes and yeah. like just having it on Switch and being able to put on a podcast while I'm in the dungeons and stuff is is like a cool way to chill out yeah uh do you remember e3 2017 no well let me tell you all about (laughs) it i think that might have 
been the year I didn't go, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, Could that have been the year? Was that the Breath of the Wild year? I guess it would have been yeah. a Breath no. of the Wild. No. Wait, no, no. No, 2017 was the, the year it came out. Yeah, so that does make sense. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I was there for that one. Yeah. Anyways, was but that the, the year is, that they could have revealed the Darwin Project? Oh, my God. Surreal Vasquez, you're so smart. <laughs> uh, yeah, so during Microsoft's press conference, they had the Darwin Project, which, I mean, PUBG was just starting to really blow up. Fortnite was a glimmer in the mind's eye, as they say. But uh, just started copying the work of PUBG right. down. They, yeah. Make it look a different so it doesn't look like I'm cheating. The Epic developers first booted up PUBG and said, <laughs> what's all this then? Um, but they revealed this game and it was like in the snow and there was like some obnoxious commentator. And it was like, what is this? Okay, I guess moving on. Anyways, it's called the Darwin Project and it's finally out of early access now and it's on everything but Switch. Um and I really like it. It's uh, so it's like it's ten player. Royale, I take it. Yes, yeah. it is very Hunger Games inspired. But what's cool is that it's just ten players. And especially what I like about it is that when you're playing it, uh, you can just bring in only your friends because it's just like hmm. ten players. Like you want to play yeah. Battle Royale with your friends, but it's like, well, that's just we can quad up and stuff. Is it? Is it Battle Royale at that point if it's ten players, or is I don't that know. just the last man standing mode that's been in games forever? I guess you could call it that, but it feels... Do they have, like, you have to move around the map in certain they places? They do, yeah. So mm, you okay. can see the entire map, which is cool, and it's, like, different quadrants, and then the quadrants will close off, and you'll see okay. when they're being canceled and stuff like that, so you got to move to a different one. So it eventually mm, will boil everybody down. Yeah, I think you can call it... I think it's fair to call it a tempers of Battle Royale. Very Hunger Games inspired for, like, the aesthetic, like, have, it's all sci-fi. But the cool thing is you don't have guns, and mm. it's more of a survival-focused uh, Battle Royale. So there's, like, a heat meter. So if you're getting too cold because it's all snowy-themed, then you have to, like, light a campfire and, like, warm up, or you can chug coffee and stuff like that. And then there's a lot of, well, a decent amount of crafting as well. You're collecting wood along the way to make arrows because, like, if you want that range attack, you're going to need a bow and arrow, right? Um, And then... Uh, you also collect like Darwinium, this resource, to like upgrade. Oh, I want my axe to do more damage, or I want mm. my special ability to have a shorter cooldown. Because you can do stuff like you can fly around. Uh, you can also get this... like a little drone to help you, or you can have a grappling hook. I think I see the appeal for you because it it sounds almost like a little bit of RTS to a certain degree. Right? Honestly, I thought like, about that with the slow upgrading thing. And stuff. Like you're kind of doing your own thing while someone else is doing their own thing on another side of the map. Right. And, uh, right. Yeah. That's but a Ben Hansen game. Absolutely. But <laughs> I think the, for Holden. <laughs> the coolest thing about this game is that they have a director, and you can choose to play the director once you get to level five. But in custom games, if you just want to play with a larger group of your friends, you don't need ten, by the way. You can play with just four of your friends or whatever. Um, you can choose who gets to be the director. And the director, it's the best because they can fly around and check out what any player is doing. They can talk to each individual player. Because if you're all playing with your friends and just using the in-game voice chat, it's all proximity-based. But you can So just... this is like your survivor fantasy. It is exactly my survivor <laughs> fantasy. It is so satisfying. Yeah, after we played with my friends, uh, my friend Grant's like, uh, how much were you into that director mode? Because it is so much fun. Because you can fly around, see exactly what everybody's doing. Then you can also give gifts to people. You can warm them up. You have like a set number of like bonuses. You can give them some wood, give them some resources. And so like the first game I was playing... Oh, also the, the the fun thing too is you have emotes, so you can make like a Tim Allen grunt, just like echo across the arena, <laughs> or you can just go out and Perfect. then every I think it's like a minute and a half cooldown, you can speak to the entire arena, 
which is so much fun. So like with vo- like with your voice, with, with your microphone. voice, okay. yeah. So you're not you're not spamming everybody by talking nonstop, but every minute and a half or so, you're able to just broadcast something wide. So like in the first game I was playing, I just kept hearing this kid. He's like some dumb kid. He's like everybody, there's there's wood in the middle. Go 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 towards the middle. There's wood. It's like well, who is this god character? So then it's like all right, I guess I'll go towards the middle. No wood, and then suddenly it's like, nuclear launch, detected. And he was, like, <laughs> nuking the entire center where he was trying to get everybody to go to. And so then I died, uh, but then was, like, watching other players, and there was one guy that was fighting another guy, and at a certain point the one guy's like, truce, dude, truce, 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 stop, seriously. And so the guy stopped, and the guy ran up and killed him. And so because of that poor play then, the director saw that, so then he went over the intercom, and he's like, everybody attack Jiminy over here. He's in the southeast quadrant. Just like outing this guy at all times, like telling exactly what power-ups he has and abilities and stuff just to try and head him off. So what cool. is your goal as the director then? What it, what are you trying time. to Okay, so you yeah. have you have no stake in the match when no. you're the director. No. Yeah, maybe they should put like a betting well system or something like that. But no, I think it's just to have fun being a control freak and jump okay. around and talk to people. But it's not like you want this guy to win or like, hey, your goal for this match is to do this thing. No, no. Not that I saw at least. Maybe I was just too focused on the Tim Allen grunt and the emojis. But <laughs> yeah, I know everybody is sick of uh, battle royales out there, but like, if you just want something fun for, I don't a know group, if this is fair to call a battle royale. Like, it sounds it, it sounds more unique than that to me. I would I would call it a battle royale yeah? with survivor elements and very very. Small. How long are the matches? If um, you're like doing all this crafting and stuff before, yeah, not I mean maybe fifteen minutes, something like okay. that. Maybe a little bit shorter than that. Yeah, but uh, it's so cool to have those custom matches also available on consoles. And so if you're even playing on PS4 or Xbox, you can still just invite your friends in and then have the full director experience as well on consoles. So I think it's a cool thing so far. I hope it finds an audience at this point. It's free to play, by the way. I should have mentioned that. Oh, yeah. um, but I had a great time playing custom games with friends then. I actually got like seven of my friends in a game, and like it was hilarious <laughs> to jump around mm-hmm. and like see what one player is doing, maybe help them out, then jump to another player and then tell them exactly where that person is to try and get them to like backstab <laughs> each other and stuff. It's, it's a, it's a this really is this is a Molden for Holden like handsome oh, yeah. joint. Oh for sure. exactly. yeah, oh exactly, yeah. A Darwin project was that game. Yeah. Kyle, you downloaded Witcher on Switch. I bought the cartridge. That's absurd. Yeah. Well, that way you, you can. It. That way I can. I, can uh, <laughs> I, I do. I do tend to buy the cartridge because then I can share it with my wife easier. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I've. I watched Witcher, you know, which, which is like everyone had the same reaction of like, oh, I kind of want to go play Witcher now, yeah. you know. Which, but is then like, everyone says like, let's just play the third one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not, not the first two, mind you. But we ported Witcher to Switch, the first one, yeah. everybody. <laughs> but yeah, I played I played Witcher three when it came out, like two three hours. It didn't really click with me. I gave it a real shot, like a couple years later on PS four. I got like eight or nine hours in. It still didn't. I still didn't really like get absorbed into it. And I was like. Watch the show, third time's the charm, let's do Witcher 3 on Switch, and I, I loaded it up, and it, it pretty quickly is, it's, it's impressive. I don't, actually, yeah. it, I don't, do you know off the top of your head who developed, or who did the port? Because it wasn't, no. I don't, it wasn't CD Project, Project Red, which, um, but it was, um, it, it was, uh, yeah, if you could look that up, because I sure. can't remember the name, but it surprised me. Um, and it, it is, Saber it, Interactive. Yeah, Saber Interactive, yeah, and it seems like, it seems like they did, they did a good job. Like it's definitely like a, a visual downgrade, like for sure. Yeah. Um, but it like it plays well. You know, like the frame rate is consistent, which is like I'm happy with that. Like yeah. the, I'll take that. But then I, the the sort of sad ending to the story is I was like, all right, let's do it. Witcher. Where this is the, having it on Switch. This is the time that I'll finally be able to get into it, and finish it. And uh, I hit a bug in the tutorial where I could not continue forward. Really? Yeah, like I was I was supposed to be sparring with uh, the teacher who what's his name? Serial? Your sort of trainer. Uh, who's also training Siri. Uh, Ves- 
Vespier or something so, like that? Uh, yeah. Vesemir. Vesemir. Vesemir, yeah. Wow. And it was that thing. Well, he's... Don't don't give him too much credit. He's an important character. Oh, <laughs> never mind that. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Serial. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. uh, but it was this thing where he's like, okay, now use this. I, like, you did this... You know, you did this sword attack. Good job. Try this magic attack. Okay, now try this attack. And, like, just nothing would happen. Mm. And I Googled it, and, like, a lot of people ran into that. Just mm. on Switch? Yeah, just on Switch. So, but, like... Only on Switch. So when I when I finally get up the courage to be like, I'm gonna try this again, I'll restart yeah. and I'm sure I can get past it. I'm sure it'll be smooth after that. But I was I was bummed that like I finally got up like the energy and excitement to like let's let's do I'm gonna do Witcher three and yeah. it's like oh, I, I can't finish the tutorial. It's a bummer. Are you gonna <laughs> so, restart? I have to. Yeah, I don't have a choice. Okay, but you were still committed to finishing Witcher I want, 3? Yeah, I bought it. You I bought the cart, it. dude. I bought right. the cartridge. It all came right. with stickers. It came with the lovely note from CD Projekt Red that they include in all their physical copies that say, thank you so much for buying this. We That's really nice. appreciate it's it. It's called the and Gooseberries. <laughs> I'm just That's amazed, fine. though, like playing Chrono Trigger and also probably continuing to play Kakarot that you're like, another RPG, well, last, please? Mm-hmm. Last night, I was working on a, I played a freelance review game for a while. And then I played Kakarot for an hour. And then I, then I, because it's on iPhone, I was able to just lay down and play Chrono Trigger until I fell asleep. And then you're gonna so play Tokyo Mirage Session. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Well, Ashley yeah. picked that up. She's so she's got that one first. So I can't grab that one until she's done with it. RPGs but. and intermissions in the month of January. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think January, February, awesome RPG times. Yeah. I know we're gonna have you know kind of March and April, but I feel like just in the winter time, settling down with a nice RPG, yeah. can't beat it. Can't beat it. It's true. Oh, which reminds me, you know, you were talking about MPDs earlier? Yeah. About if Kakarot's going to be in there? Do you think there's any chance that Ring Fit Adventure is in the MPDs for January because of, like, New Year's resolutions? Oh. Oh. Um, I've seen a lot of people know. tweeting about it. They, the advertising has kicked up again. I'm seeing new really? trailers for it. Hey, fatty. Did it show, when it released, did it, did it make the NPDs? I don't know. I don't know. I, but I wonder if it sold better in January. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, was, I was describing Make a that. bet right now. I don't think it will. But <laughs> I just would like to see it there. Uh, it was funny. I was um, hanging out with a with a with a parent, like my the the kids are friends. So and you know they play a little bit of games, but not a big gamer. And I I went through the process of describing what Ring Fit Adventure oh, is to wow. them, and like and trying to like just tell them why I think it's kind of cool. You know? Yeah. I think I did a good job. I don't know. We'll see. Nice. <laughs> did I tell you about my weird reaction my girlfriend had to it? Where yeah. We played it before it came out, and she and I'm like, "What do you think?" She's like, "I like it. I think it's fun." When did this come out? I was like, oh, it's not out for like another two weeks. She's like, oh, I just assumed this came out in like 2010 or something. And like, she doesn't <laughs> oh, really? play games at all. Yeah. Just like, she's like, oh, it's just like one of those 2010 Wii things. I was like, what? oh, weird. I mean, fair, but I, I, I feel like that game looks pretty good. You know what I mean? So to have yeah. that react. But yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I, that's not an unfair reaction. Like, it's like it when. It feels like it's from another era. It does, yeah. yeah. A yeah. Wii era. Yeah. Uh, the Wii era. I started playing it again. I'm trying to play it every day. I can tell. Oh, I man. know when you Ooh. haven't and when you have. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, you know how this whole thing operates? Wonderful Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash. Oh, thank okay. you. Yep. MinMax two ends. <laughs> um, Again, a reminder, if you're a $50 supporter, you get your name in the credits, both in the description for YouTube version and the podcast version. Um, and then also, we'll send you a custom thank you note as well. Um, not note. It's actually a video message, which Ooh, we're actually going to be recording today, which I'm very excited about. Um, and $100 supporter, you can be on the wall of heroes on the TV behind us. Put any cute image you would like up there. Make us laugh, please, with an image. We always appreciate that. And then we have the heroes here, like Superhero Cinema Scoop, 
Riley Hill himself. Superhero Cinema Scoop is a YouTube channel. He says, Superhero Cinema Scoop is proud to sponsor MinMax. Superhero Cinema Scoop is a new YouTube channel dedicated to bringing you all the up-to-date news on your favorite superhero movies, shows, and video games. News from Marvel, DC, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Spawn, and many more are represented. Videos are uploaded at least once a week and can be enjoyed by the whole family. Just search for Superhero Cinema Scoop on YouTube and remember, that cinema is spelled with an S. Twins. Uh, and to follow up from last week, he did post like a 30 minute video that's just called Morbius Trailer Explained. Oh, nice. So okay. it's nice. Like, yeah. that's where we're at with the state of the MCU and Sony's involvement to have to have a 30 minute video and be like, okay, everybody, here's what's going on with Morbius. Yeah, the community board for Morbius. <laughs> that's very complicated. But yeah, check him out. As Jeff likes to say, here's a, a wonderful sponsor who's supporting us in a big, mm-hmm. bad way. So please help support them. And it's free. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So just go over there, leave a comment. You will brighten Riley's day. And help us out, too. So we'd appreciate it. Um, also, reminder, if you're a $20 supporter, you can call in and uh, talk to at least me and probably more this Sunday at 6 p.m. Central. Um, so you'll access to the Discord and stuff like that. But if you just want to do that for one month and have a nice chat and ask us anything you want, it'd be a fun opportunity. So don't miss that one. All right. You guys ready to move on to community questions with a twist? Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, everybody, we have some wonderful questions that people sent in, uh, actually submitted on our Patreon, patreon.com slash minmax2ends, but we aren't alone this time. We have mm. a special guest mm. for basically the first time ever on the MinMax Show podcast. We have Rex Crowell from FoamSword. Welcome, sir. Hey, everyone. Yeah, great to be here. Absolutely. So what, what do you prefer to be called? Creative director, lead designer on Nights and Bikes? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess those work. I mean, we're, we're a tiny company of only two people, so it kind of feels funny when you have big grand titles, but at the same time, you do do a lot of stuff. So, yeah, that works. It works out. <laughs> so Sweet. Like ultimate president. Yeah. That'd be good. King of yeah. video games yeah. over at Sword. <laughs> yeah, the sweetest man in games, I believe. <laughs> but you go back to the days at Lionhead, working on with Media Molecule as well. For how long were you at that studio? Uh, I guess it was about 12 years, something oh like that. God. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, I think last time we talked, you were talking about Nights and Bikes and the lead up to it. And that was on the Game Informer Show podcast when we Skyped you in for a lovely chat. Uh, I think I harassed you about Guilford mm-hmm. and how the Guilford Museum needs to recognize video games for once. Um, but now we've gone independent. Uh, we left Game Informer, mm-hmm. Max as a startup. And I'm curious uh, with Foam Sword, if you have any good advice for us on the on the indie lifestyle, the working from home lifestyle, what have you learned in your independent life that you'd like to impart to other startups out there? Hmm. Uh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, you definitely, you're definitely learning every day, you know, every day is, you know, a fresh challenge. Um, I think the main thing probably for me from just moving into like working in more of a home environment is just how important it is to still like get out still see other people that you're not like you know working directly with and and just you know take big gulps of fresh air all the time and just try and sort of i don't know not not get lost in the in the kind of the the the, the creating of stuff yeah all right hang on i write this down yeah. see other people okay, <laughs> get it. out of this basement <laughs> so how long were you working on nights and bikes Oh, um, I mean, it was it, it wasn't one of those projects that's just like, you know, day one, you're like properly on the project and, you know, you go through to the end. It was something that sort of slowly ramped up over time with just like thinking about little ideas and, and playing with them. And me and Moo, the co-creator, chatting about stuff for quite a long time. Um, I guess the main development was about three years Um 
you know, taking it to Kickstarter and then taking that that initial promise and then trying to deliver an actual game uh, that matched up to it, which was the scary bit. <laughs> yeah, and now the finish line is not there yet because you are proudly announcing... It's coming to Switch! Hey! Oh, yeah. yeah, to to celebrate the, the news, we're, um, the pre-order is up and uh, you get 10% off um, so that we hope, you know, a lot of people are going to jump on the switch store and pick it up uh you know because it's such a cooperative game as well maybe you know find a find a friend to play it with as well yeah uh, and you've got, a, you've got a couple of weeks to you know sort out which which pal you'll go play it with and then, uh, <laughs> it'll be out on the six so, yeah. yeah and and two players will each be able to play with a single joy con right yes yeah okay we yeah. should we should back up a little bit rex what's your high level pitch for knights and bikes how do you describe this experience so uh, Knights and Bikes is a action adventure about two kids uh, exploring an English island uh, in the 1980s uh, looking for treasure. Uh, and it's all about like just being a kid again and having kind of like an awesome summer vacation adventure, you know, cycling around on your bikes, turning over rocks and trying to find like, you know, little individual treasures but also have this like big grand backstory of this ancient um arthurian legend going on in the background and obviously it's got like a big like sort of buddy movie uh, element of the friendship between the two girls that are playing in the game uh, whether yeah. you play it as single player or whether you play it as co-op and it's like it's the rare breed of a co-op game that's like story focused. Like I think it's great for families. Like Kyle, have you been playing with your daughter then or your wife? Yeah, uh, my eight-year-old daughter and I we started playing. Uh, I, I I showed her the trailer with the song, the mm. ride my bike song, and she's like, "We got to play that. Like that's <laughs> very important." And then I had to explain to her what wellies are because she didn't know what wellies okay. were, yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> which were rain boots. But yeah, no, we've uh, we've started it. We've been having a good time with it. Yeah, it's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like a good intimate game. Like there's so few games that are co-op but also story focused. Like, okay, find a good buddy that you don't mind like going through some dialogue, some world building and stuff like that. But also it has something that's very satisfying in games, which is the co-op game where the people have different abilities. And yes. I think like mm. just getting out of the game be like, oh, you get to stomp the ground, that's not fair. But it's like, well, hang on. No, I get to throw the disc, so it's even cooler for me. So it ends up working all right. Okay, we jumped to a different mic because there's weird interference and stuff. But anyways, what's it like to actually port something to the Switch? Is it harder than we think, easier than we think? What's the process like for you? Uh, well, I mean, I have to give all the credit really to uh, Moo, Moo Yu, who's the co-creator of the game. Um, he's the tech guy. So he's had the, the hard stuff to do on this. Um, it's taken... You know, a, a good time to figure it all out, and we had some times where we were concerned that because the game is essentially 2D art in a 3D world, and you've maybe got because I've thrown so much art into this game, you might have like 10,000 objects online um, on screen at any one time. And when we started reading about the Switch, and it's like, well, the one thing that it's maybe not quite so great at is, is uh, uh, having hundreds of, you know, Alfred assets all like rode up in front of the camera. Oh, no. And uh, I was a bit worried then because I'm like, that is entirely the game. <laughs> uh, but uh, he did a lot of optimizations and like fixed things up so that the, the game would just be able to um, pull the textures in very quickly. Um, and that just made a huge difference. And we went from being, at, you know, like three frames a second up to, you know, proper frame rate so uh, yeah. that was really good um I, yeah this game... on, on, the, on the art side really it was mainly just um a little bit of interface stuff um 
and then also just a few changes like um, on the on the PS4 and on the PC version, there's a little vignette around the edge of the screen, uh, which just sort of like blurs it out, blurs off the edges. Uh, and for some reason, when you look at it on the handheld console, it just looks a little bit strange having that vignette on there, particularly the way the Switch sort of sends in lighting uh, from like, you know, the way it lights the screen. It was like lightening up the uh, vignette. So huh. so we removed that and it just looks a lot crisper. And I'm, re- I'm so happy with how it looks on the Switch. Um, I mean, I, I kind of joke that it's partly because I can't see those little imperfections that I... You know, those little missteps that I made where I slipped the paintbrush. But, um, you know, it looks so nice and crisp on the uh, on the handheld screen. It's it's a, a real um, a real delight to me to, like, peer into this world again. And even though it's all the same stuff that I've seen on PS4 or wherever, it, it kind of looks different when you're holding it in your hands. Yeah. It's like this proper little world that you're staring into. And obviously, you know, you dock it into the TV and it's just like playing the PS4 version. So, yeah, and yeah. we can't uh, understate how good the game looks. Like we can describe it as like, oh, and it's an action-adventure co-op game. But you should look at the art style of this game. There, it's so intricate. I cannot imagine the amount of work that you put into this thing to come up with every art asset in that game. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> it's wild. It's a lot of painting, yeah. And because it has a like a stop-motion style, um, I mean, probably we should have come up with some clever shader that made things like jiggle around, but um, <laughs> we actually ended up doing it the, the hard way where I just repainted everything three times so that it sort of hmm. shimmers around like a, a hand-painted um, like kid's drawing. Yeah, it's wild. Well, I definitely think like I didn't get to it, and I'm very sorry for this, but I didn't get to it until like the holiday break and got around to playing Knights and Bikes. And I was like, oh, I think this is one of the most underappreciated games of 2019. I feel like it didn't get its due. I don't think people talked about it enough just for how good it looks and how fun it is as a co-op story experience. How was the release for you? Uh, was it satisfying? Do you feel like it hit its audience or are you expecting the Switch version to find a whole new audience? I mean, de- yeah. I mean, definitely we hope that it will, you know, continue to widen the audience on the Switch. Um, I think it's a really natural platform for it. The fact that, you know, it is the one device that comes ready set up for co-op you know you don't have to go to a store and buy a second controller right uh so i think that's really good um i think probably the because we've gone quite broad with the audience um and that it's very suitable for families i mean it's it's great for like adult friends to play together you play it with the kids and kids can play it as well that's not necessarily that that's like a sometimes a harder audience to reach you know that those aren't the those aren't the players that are like sitting on Steam on like day one waiting for it to unlock. They'll like hear about it over time, um, kind of a little bit like we we previously done with Little Big Planet and Tearaway. It's a a very a game that's kind of suitable for quite a wide audience. Uh, so we we just we just have this long tail where you know it just it just carries on selling just you know in a nice steady way yeah. um we hope that more and more people will pick it up and um i think some things that we're doing with the with the property kind of help with that we've got a series of children's books um there's already two out in the uk um hopefully they'll be like distributed wider in the future um and also like the tv series um just kind of starting to kick off so oh, um you know, all awesome. of those things will kind of you know help bring more people to the nights and bikes 
cinematic universe. Wait, how? This the is NBU? a lot. Yeah. <laughs> God. Or the KBU. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. So I'm, <laughs> I'm still confused about... So Double Fine is... They published the game originally, and even though now mm-hmm. Double Fine... And you're sitting in the Double Fine office, by the way, which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, so even though they're now owned by Microsoft, they're still publishing the Switch version then? Is that how this works? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all he does is paint, man. Right. Like that. He's <laughs> got all made up, man. It doesn't matter. They can do is, whatever they want. Is Nice and Bikes going to be like the last Double Fine published game? Do you have any sense of like what it means for the future of Double Fine publishing? Uh, there, there, is, um, there is still uh, Samurai Gun 2, uh, which is on the way. Yeah, it's very cool. Okay, yeah. Uh, so that, will, that will still be coming, yeah. Okay, gotcha. All right, on to community questions. Uh, Dominic Sikchoki, he says, uh, hey, what was your path into the industry, Rex? Were you gunning for a job in games, or did it happen by chance? Um, so I think, you know, as a kid, I was making my own uh, indie games. Uh, I had this computer, Commodore Amiga, like way back in the day, and uh, it had some software on there called Amos, which was like a programming language, and uh, very much like Knights and Bikes, I teamed up with a friend who was far cleverer than me, uh, so that I made tiny little games. And um, I mean, back in those days, before the internet, there was nothing you could really, or it wasn't really before the internet, but there wasn't like a way you could publish them yourself. So they just they just sit on a floppy disk somewhere in my parents' house. Um, but I'd never thought that I'd actually be able to get a, a, a job in games. Um, I think at the time things were probably more, like the games were like more sort of like gnarly and dark and um, I didn't really feel that someone that was more from a sort of illustrative graphic design background would end up making games. Um, So I just went off to art college and, um, you know, worked on TV stuff and um, other projects like that. Um, And I actually ended up, getting into games by mistake. Well, not mistake, that sounds bad. But um, <laughs> My life's just been a mistake. A surpri- it was a surprise um, because I'd, I'd made a bunch of like, quite experimental websites, uh, which were a little bit like point-and-click adventures um, using uh, Flash. Um, and that was spotted by um, a guy called Jamie who was working at Lionhead Studios. He asked me to come in and work there for a month to build this like crazy website, which you can probably find it on like Wayback Machine now. And it, it was a weird website. I mean, basically Lionhead, they chipped black and white. They, they, they couldn't say anything about the, the other like nine games they were developing at the time. So they just had to have this crazy website um, to, to just give people something to look at. And uh, yeah, that's how I ended up in the industry. And uh, I was only supposed to be there for a month, but I think I stayed there for like six years or something like that that's so sweet are you still in touch with a lot of those uh lionhead folks oh yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah the great molyneux himself when was the last time you had a conversation with him i think the last time was probably gdc um there was a nice moment where i was chatting with uh tim tim schaefer and uh and um and then peter came up and you know we had a group hug and I was just thinking, you know, it's like 11 year old me would have just like died. <laughs> that, if, a, if a photo of that moment had just fallen through the through a time warp and just landed in front of me, 
11 years old, I, I, yeah, I probably would have just imploded. <laughs> uh, so a lot of people wrote in about game delays. That's kind of been the season that we're at here, Rex. So Travis Manick writes in and says, hey, GameSpot recently posted an article following an interview with one of CD Projekt Red's uh, joint CEOs implying that delays really just extend crunch. They don't relieve it. What are your thoughts on this? As a consumer, is there anything I can do to help fight this? Uh, and these don't all need to be just for you, Rex, but I'm curious because when I was at Media Molecule for a Dreams cover story back at Game Informer, I remember uh, Siobhan made a point that like, oh, we don't crunch here at Media Molecule. And I'm sure every studio has to toe that line and it's a lot of stress about trying to figure out how to keep the employees safe and healthy. Um, what are your thoughts on delays and whether it might alleviate crunch or just how that intersects for developers? Um, I mean, I think it's... I definitely think it's always better to delay a game and make a good game and also make sure people, the team that are making it, do not fall apart in the making of it. Um, and, I, you know, I think the other thing that's not always discussed is just how important sometimes it is to just cut, make some big cuts near the end of a game project. Um, you know, just like a movie, it's like, well, you could watch... You could watch an eight-hour version of, I don't know, uh, any movie. The Knights uh, and Bikes movie that's that coming, right? Um, but that, that eight hours is not going to make you a good movie. You know, you want to cut it down to two hours and everyone has a great time. So I think cutting is actually a really important um, decision-making part um, of the development process, particularly... Like early on, so you don't get get too carried away with your ideas, but also towards the end to make sure that you can really put the polish and really concentrate on the features that um, you know that, that are most important. Yeah, um, I always I always like that. Uh, you, you mentioned Siobhan just then. You know, something she has always really taught me was just how important it is to listen to the game that you're making and like see where it kind of naturally wants to go because sometimes you've got some design doc and you're like, you know, this is the, this is a core feature and this is really important, but yet the whole team that are working on it, they're just not into that feature. And it's kind of getting, I don't know, it's just becomes dead weight around you. And sometimes it's just better to just cut it. I mean, like tearaway just changed completely um, from beginning to end uh, based on that sort of principle of just making sure that you're always focusing on, on where the game like naturally needs to go um, rather than just like trying to put every feature in that you initially thought was in important. Yeah. What era of your life do you think you personally crunched the most? What was the most stressful era for you? Um, I mean, there's definitely, I wouldn't necessarily call it crunch, but you know, Nights and Bikes was pretty tough because, um, you, ha you haven't net you haven't really got anyone else to fall back on um, you know when there are when you've got you know there's myself doing the um, the art animation level design story um, stuff and then me doing all the technical stuff uh, and design elements as well um, the game design and then uh, Kenny doing the audio and Dan writing the music like there isn't anyone to like just cross over and just help out a little bit. You can't just draft someone else in you know, right. because we've all got our own chunks. There's no way I could be like helping Dan out to create beautiful music 
uh, in the same way that I wouldn't be able to like help move with the coding. So, um, you know, you've really got it all on your own back. So, yeah. um, I mean, that, that meant that the development process was, the development time was quite extended. Um, you know, we, we just had to work within our limitations really, uh, which just meant, um, you know, just, just developing it for a lot longer. Um, and that was something I did find hard with the Kickstarter that, you know, going referencing back to talking about cutting things, it's quite hard to cut things when you've actually promised a certain set of features very early on, you know, when basically before you started making the game, um, you know, you make your pitch video, you tell everyone the wonderful things that are be in it. And then it's very hard to like go, actually, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do some of that stuff. And, um, so it just ended up being a much longer project to, right. uh, to create. Do you feel like at your time at Media Molecule, that studio overall got a lot smarter with, with Crunch? Was Little Big Planet 1 kind of a challenge compared to Dreams, where it's like, okay, let's prioritize uh, developer sanity here? Um, yeah, maybe. I think, I mean, with Little Big Planet 1, in some ways it was the, it was probably the easiest project but also we, we probably worked the hardest because, you know, it was like we'd all got like 20 years worth of built up energy. You know, it's like when a when a band records their first album, you know, you've got all of that life experience. Right. And this is the first time, you know, because at, at Lionhead, although we were making amazing, um, very sometimes quite experimental games, they weren't necessarily like our games. You know, there was it was the it was, you know, Peter's vision filtered through 200 other people um so you know when when we were first working on little big planet we were just going bananas basically and you know we, we probably worked some pretty late hours um but it doesn't feel like it when you're when there's just like 10 of you in a in a room just making what you've always wanted to make right. um so How? yeah how do you feel about delaying the game? Do you feel like that is a one-to-one with alleviating crunch? Or what do you think about City Project Red and the CEO saying, like, ah, it just means we'll have to crunch for a hell of a lot longer here? Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I've been off on vacation, so I haven't really, like, you know, I, I, I didn't even know it had been delayed. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sorry to be the ones to break the news to yeah. you. And you have to finish it, dude. I'm going back on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's it it doesn't feel like the best way to look at it that you're just crunching for longer. But um, right, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very very ambitious project, and um, I'm sure they're all working very hard to deliver it. Um, but yeah, there's that weight of expectation on it as well. Um, I mean, it must be very hard. I I wouldn't want to be to be honest. I wouldn't be, want to be working on something that like that crazy because yeah. it's you know, it's, it's, it's great to, great to experience it at the end. Um, and I'm sure we'll all have a great time playing it, but, um, yeah, does, does take a chunk out of everyone working on it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, Hey, Joshua Caleb writes in and says, I recently discovered that the weird alien rock song at the beginning of Jedi Fallen Order is actually by the Mongolian rock band, The Who. Search Black Thunder The Who on YouTube to find it. This reminded me of when I played Alan Wake and discovered the band Poets of the Fall, who did a lot of music for that game. So I'm curious, what artists or bands have you discovered or become a fan of after hearing them in a video game? 
Do you guys at the table have have ones that pop into your mind? Yeah, for sure. I mean, with is Rex, it just Death Stranding? Uh, Death Stranding is a good one, but also, I mean, I, I I can see your screen. You have it written down as well. But I discovered Battles through Little Big Planet, which is a band that mm-hmm. like recently came out with a new album that I still listen to all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. So what's crazy? Yes, Alex. Or I'm sorry, Rex. You actually chose a lot of the music for that first Little Big Planet. Mm, yeah, I'm the second one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you introduced yeah. me to battles. I think you introduced yeah. a lot of people to yeah. battles and go team. Like that vibe is so infectious in Little Big Planet. Mm. Yeah, I think um, the fun thing was because I used to make all the trailers for the games, and uh, and I would often make videos say to um, send to Sony to keep, to keep them updated on um, how the game is going. I think, you know, when you're making something quite experimental that doesn't really have, like, a design doc and what have you, you just have to make sure that you're really keeping your publisher or any other partners you're working with, like, really informed. So you're making a lot of videos all the time. And, um, yeah, and I, I just have a lot of fun of, like, trawling, trawling the internet and record shops and what have you, just trying to find interesting tracks it's really fun to like put them on the game and then also like show that video back to the team and everyone gets really excited because they feel like they're seeing the finished product even though it's like it's a white box level with a with a sphere like jumping around <laughs> put, put some badass track on it and everyone is like you know getting goosebumps and they're all like crying because of the emotional yeah. connection it's like it's just a gray box but you know <laughs> the music music just is an incredible shortcut to people's you know souls do you remember any tracks that you really wanted for either Little Big Planet that you guys couldn't get? Uh, there's a track by Hot Chip that I always really wanted. Um, I don't know if you know the band Hot Chip, but no. um, there's, a, there's, an, there's another new discovery, if not. But um, yeah, they, they did this track. Um, I think it was called My Piano. Um, and it was very sort of like pounding. It had a real energy, something that you'd want to be like dressed up as a little cloth cloth character jumping around to so um yeah that was one that i always really wanted but, yeah um, can you yeah, think maybe. of a can you think of any games in particular where the soundtrack spoke to you obviously you're a very hip man you know all the, <laughs> the cool bands out there but do you ever learn about like a real world band from a video game hmm um yeah i can't think of any particular examples off the top of my head at the moment um no but um yeah, I mean, I, I know that recently I've, I've definitely pulled out, um, what's it called, Shazam, a few times while I've been playing games. And, you know, often there is just some, uh, it's a piece, like, specifically composed for the for the game, but the amount of video game soundtracks that are up on Spotify now is really great, so you can actually yeah. find them. And, uh, you know, I can just listen to the uh, Jet, uh, Jet Set Radio um, soundtrack forever. I mean, that's one of the best, I think. That's awesome. Uh, Scott Ball writes in and says, Hey, being the father of a two-year-old and weighed down by a time-demanding and mentally taxing job, I find the Nintendo Switch perfect for the short 20 to 30-minute play sessions of AAA games I crave all in a convenient handheld. Since Nintendo has been so successful and since a lot of their core consumers are now having families, do you see Xbox or Sony taking a serious look into making one more push for handheld gaming? Or is it only going to be Nintendo moving forward? Before Rex weighs in, what do you guys think? Is there any chance Xbox or Sony pushes it? Or are, is, are they basically getting there by streaming in a roundabout way, right? Where it's like, oh, you can run xCloud on your phone, so there we go. Yeah, I don't think they have the 
the mind share to to really say like, hey, here's another device that you should bring around portably. Whereas Nintendo has like a stake in that market where it's like any the next Nintendo portable, even if they make if they split out and say, here's a regular console and here's a portable. Yeah. People will still flock to that. Whereas I don't think they do that for a, like a Microsoft or a Sony eccentric or centric uh, console. Whereas I think if they say, hey, you can just play Xbox games on your phone or for like on PlayStation games on your PC. That, that, I think, is probably the avenue that they would go if they did that. Right. So I think Microsoft is closer because they have uh, xCloud and they're a little bit more open to compatibility with that. Whereas I don't think PlayStation now, I think it's just like on your PS4 and maybe on PC. Yeah, something like that. I think the fact that we don't know is kind of like yeah. telling. Right? Our ignorance is telling people around the world that they're we're t- pretty t- ignorant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but telling them a lot. Rex, what do you think about that? I mean, uh, since you were the lead on Tearaway, one of the Vita's biggest games, what do you think about the future of, of handheld gaming like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would I would be surprised to see like handheld devices from other. Um, uh, other hardware manufacturers. Um, I think you know just the ubiquity of having your phone in your pocket. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of hard to compete with that. Uh, Vita definitely had a had a hard time with just how much mobile gaming was happening on people's phones. Um, but I mean, obviously, like you say, the the Switch has just been a, a runaway success. Yeah. Um, I'm just not sure anyone would be up for fighting both switch and you know ios and mm. android you know that's right a, that would be a hard thing to come into i mean i i think i saw some alien brain switch kind of style console recently um oh like that portable pc it's called of, the ufo yeah, yeah. yeah. concept ufo yeah. 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 Um, yeah i'm into but, that thing you know i'm not really sure whether that will take off when there's all the other stuff around. But yeah. Who knows? Maybe some like hobbyists that really want to play some like big ass PC games on a Switch style platform. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, was it frustrating before the PS4 port to try and get people to play Tearaway on the Vita? Do you feel like you were beating your head against the wall or screaming at Sony for like, please promote the Vita more? <laughs> Tearaway needs players. I mean, it, it, it is kind of, tr- you know, I think it's, it's a hard thing to get anyone to part with their hard-earned cash uh, for just a video game anyway. Um, you know, I mean, I can see why all of the like the new services like um, Game Pass, you know, so popular. Um, but if you've also got to buy a console and in order to play the game, um, you know, that's that's a pretty hard sell and. Uh, um, yeah, that's that's kind of a tricky one, but um, you know, we we just did everything we could to just show show off like how cool the Vita was and how many cool features there were that people wouldn't necessarily know about or were being like under underused, um, in the hope that it would you know bring bring more players both to the Vita and to Terraway. Yeah, um, yeah. For sure. Uh, Strange Sloss says, hello, everybody. Uh, fellow Minion reporting for duty. All right, sure. I was wondering <laughs> if you all have played a game called Children of Morta. Has anybody played Oh, man, I was going to bring this up. I, Are you I serious? did bring it up this week. I, I figured I'd bring it up next week because I played probably like six hours of it this what? past week. Are you serious? Yeah. Holding out on us? That's bizarre. You had no idea this was coming. Anyways, he explains that it's a top-down pixel art uh, Diablo slash End of the Gungeon style game. The music is amazing, and it's on Game Pass. I highly recommend it. Yes. Is 
So I was gonna I was gonna have that conversation, but I figured I I wanted to play a little more of it. Okay, so it's like a uh, action RPG where you play a family. It's, what yeah, is it? it's it's kind of like a roguelike um, where you you have a, you have different family members that you can take in. Each one's a different style of combat. Yeah, um, and so each time you go into you know one of the dungeons, it's procedurally generated. But any of the loot and stuff that you're collecting, you save over from from uh run to run which okay. is nice so it's it's not a straight up okay i'm i'm dead and now i have to start from scratch again and it's mm. it they do a great job with the storytelling and the pixel art is just amazing and the animation's great so it came so, out on steam in september but it's on it's on game pass now which okay. is which is another one of those where i was like i've never seen or heard anything about this i'll try that and then i've you know, like i said i've played about six hours now so yeah awesome well strange loss also says P.S. Nice and Bikes is really fun, and my wife and I have a lot of fun jumping in puddles and role-playing as the characters. Awesome. Do you find a lot of people role-play as the characters, as people play in co-op? Do they gravitate towards one or the other and start to, like, adopt the the kind of eccentricities? I think so, yeah. We have heard heard that, yeah. And, like, people, like, um, you know, because it's it's not a game that has a lot of, um, like, VO, um, but... Like people will read the subtitles in the style of how they think the characters will talk, which makes sometimes watching um, people's let's plays like really funny because they're just like trying to adopt like a English accent while they're uh, <laughs> playing with these little girls and like screaming and shouting and you know doing all of that kind of stuff, mimicking their weird mouth sounds as they run, which is a very exactly. specific yeah. touch in the game. That must have been a yeah. fun recording <laughs> session when you were just recording the mouth sounds for running in Nights and Bikes. <laughs> Sorry, I, you cut out a second there. Oh yeah, what was the process for recording the mouth sounds when they're running? Like, oh, um, I think that was quite a lot of that was uh, Kenny, the sound designer on the game. He, um, I think he actually mic'd up his wife to uh, to do a lot of those. So, oh, that's uh, yeah. awesome. And <laughs> Kenny right. is also the composer for uh, Tearaway as well, right? That's right. Yeah. But yeah, then also yeah. recently he, Astrobot, which is one of my favorite soundtracks of the mm. last five years. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible that that soundtrack is like so high energy. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Uh, is it as satisfying as we want it to be to release a game? When you got finally got to basically the finish line with Nights and Bikes, was it like, well, that's everything I was hoping it would be once it's out the door? Uh, I guess. Um, I mean, I think you don't necessarily feel like it's 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 ever done, you know, because you know we've like having a switch release as well. Um, I've still got like this giant list of um, physical rewards that I have to do for the Kickstarter backers, uh, which I'm still chipping away at. So um, my house back home in London, uh, you know, there's bits of like half sewn um, plushy dolls and um, there's a art book slowly coming together page by page. So, um, there's always a lot to do, but yeah, I mean, it's a great release. Um, uh, it's a great, like, physical release to release the game, um, and yeah, that's very satisfying. And you know, getting the comments that come in um, from players, um, yeah, is really is really great. And you know, Nat, sort of six. Well, I don't know. Is it six months later? Not that long, but um, like starting to get the um, the, the various award nominations uh, coming in is, is, is a nice like final 
final moment. So, that's yeah. awesome. Well, congratulations. I do think it's going to find a whole new audience on Switch. I think that's going to be really exciting and a whole new wave for Knights and Bikes. When is it coming out on Switch again? Uh, 6th of February. That's awesome. Cool. Anything else you want to say? Anything you've been dying to get off your chest? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. We'll let you go then, Rex. Thanks so much for your time, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Good right. to see you all. Cheers. Okay. Take care. Oh, Cyril Vasquez, what are you doing here? What? I know, it's just weird that I was looking at you instead of looking at the monitor now. Oh. We have so many more questions to get through. Thank, thank you for everybody that submitted a good one. Patrick Morgan. Hey, in terms of getting better, what's a healthy habit that's impacted you in a really positive way? Hmm. Skype. Using Skype. Discord. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, I this is uh, I think this counts. There was a, a a while ago. I made the decision to like not have my phone with me in bed. You know, mm. like go put let it charge. Is this a fortune cookie? No, I just like I instead of like looking at your phone and going to sleep, like I, I when it was bedtime, I put my phone in a different room to charge, and yeah. you know that's where the alarm would be, and it like helped me go to sleep better, and it also helped me wake up better because I had to get out of bed to go turn off my alarm. That's a good life know? tip. Yeah, I do that as well, where my it charges like on my bookshelf across the room, so I have to yeah. stand up to go get it because it helps you wake up. Yeah, and totally, and you're not going to stare and at it, it all night and lose your mind. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. I've I've driven my wife crazy with a rule of. No phones or anything in bed, and and like when we wake up in the morning, just like get out of bed because yeah. it's it's easy to for that to become a moment of like, well, I'm gonna just lay here and I'm gonna just start getting, I'm gonna start worrying about things and mm-hmm. get a bunch of anxiety because I'm not just getting up and actually starting my day. Right, right. Do you change that on weekends? Um, I kind of like just looking yeah, at my phone I mean, on the bed on the weekends. No, I okay. I don't break that, but we will wow. sleep in later. Hell yeah. That's Hell yeah. That's nice. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I think that definitely helps. It's something I did a long time ago and I am a big fan of is uh, deleting social media apps off your phone. Yeah. It's yep. like if I if I need to, like if I'm at E3, I'll reinstall Twitter on my phone, but getting that off there. But then the problem is that like with MinMax and stuff, I, I'm trying to be so much more clued into all that stuff. And so mm-hmm. and like respond to people. And so I had it in like the browser. I was logged in on Twitter in the browser and I was like, I can control myself. I won't check it. And then it was just like, I was stopped because like mid-conversation at some point, I was like, uh-huh. And then I just booted up my phone like and actually checked Twitter in the browser version. It was like, it's such a sad thing. Yeah. yeah. I, it's, I actually had done that for a long time, but once the layoffs happened, I actually dove right back into Twitter because now it's an outlet to for career and jobs so you need like. to become depressed looking at twitter i mean the time now. on it like you're joking but i do feel that way because yeah. like i get freelance work by dming people and conversing with people and yeah. seeing job openings and things but it it does bum me out because like i look at twitter so much more after the layoffs i'd like to get to a point where you know maybe i can step away from it again but right now i do feel like i have to focus on it right you know? right yeah, the goal of Twitter is to be in a position where you don't have to look at Twitter anymore. I mean, I think <laughs> that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Also, one is, um, this is a lighter one, but my friend Rory, uh, who installed the door here in the MinMax studio. So Good job, a real Rory. Saint. Good door. Yeah. He opens it for Good us, too. Door. That's right. <laughs> uh, he's big into climbing, and he knows that I'm really into pull-ups. Like, the one thing that I love more than anything else in the world is pull-ups. <laughs> and frog. From Chrono and Trigger. Frog from <laughs> Chrono Trigger. Boy, how do you think he got those biceps? That he's always oh, flexing. Those Earthworm Jim biceps. Hell yeah. Um, no, but he's like, hey, we should try and do a one arm pull up by the end of the year. And I was like, you know what? I've done pull ups my basically since I had monkey bars in my room at 
I don't know, age 11 or something, right? You had monkey bars I in had, your bedroom? Because my dad built the house. And I was like, could I have monkey bars in my room going from the door to my bed? And That's he put really it in cool. there because he's very That's sweet. I want to see a picture of that. Thing. I want to see that. Really? Yeah. It's, it's less interesting than you think. And like, it's also made of wood and they kept cracking and stuff. But anyways, the point <laughs> is now I've tried doing one arm probes, which are Impossible. I'm not talking about like grabbing yeah, I, it like that's this. That's exactly what I was going to ask. You can a do it. That's fine. Ass. Yeah, that's not it. That's yeah. not it. This is the full, and like I can barely move. And so it's fun because, like, okay, the way we start is like by doing pull ups and like just going 80% on one arm, but use 20% for like support with the other one. Or then once you're at the top, you can let go with one hand and try and like control the descent down. It's very hard, but it's also very fun when you've been obsessed with pull-ups your entire life to have this new challenge of, go. I want to do what Cloud did at the end of Final Fantasy VII and do the one-arm pull-up yeah. while pulling Tifa up. I like the idea of being obsessed with pull-ups like it's like Star Wars or something. Yeah, like, pull-ups really are good. my Star Wars. <laughs> your, your life is so close to God of Jim, and you didn't even realize it. Oh, my God. Half I'm Jim. Oh, you are. Uh, another uh, one that's more lifestyle than like physical health is... When you eat something, wash the dishes right away. Yes. Don't ever, don't ever just put something in a sink. Right. Because you're just waiting for it to fill up and then mm -hmm. it totally sucks. And if you just wash right away, food comes off right away. I mean, like half the time, you don't even need soap if you haven't been like eating right off the plate. Yeah. It just washes all off, takes 10 seconds, and it just feels good to not have it piling up. 100%. Going back to phones for a second. Yeah. Thinking about like getting out of bed to go check it. I won't name names, but a certain certain roommate. Um, <laughs> the phone goes off. The alarm in the morning goes off six times. Like every morning, it yeah. is like eight o'clock, eight thirty, nine, nine thirty, and then ten o'clock. This person Look, wakes up. We're not gonna name names. Obviously, I think that's outrageous. That's just a thing that. The Hilliards do, I guess. <laughs> that's but true. we're not naming names. It we're sucks. Not naming names. It sucks. Uh, doesn't like. I think that's a terrible mindset. And I've tried railing about it with other people, and they're like, "Oh no, I always have it go off multiple times." Like, what? Just train yourself to get up the first time. It, yeah, and it, it is super bad for you too yes. because you immediately fall asleep again, and then you're being woken up out of like wherever you are in that cycle. Yes. You're not supposed to do what that. What about tortured existence? The bed is so comfortable in the morning. Yeah, I know. That's why you have <laughs> one painful moment instead it. of stretching it out. And then you have six painful moments every morning of like, oh, what's yeah, that I get sound? progressively less painful. No, no, it's outrageous. <laughs> uh, I started drinking a lot more water, I think, as like um, to avoid like compulsively snacking because I realized that most of it was just like it, I, it was a behavioral thing and not like, oh, I'm hungry or whatever. I need food. Just like learn training myself to think about like just whenever you want to like participate in any like drinking or eating just think about water like get water <laughs> instead of like you know right. whatever's in the fridge and uh i think it's That's worked smart. out pretty well so. nice hey l kane says hey i like to keep thinking about the getting better part of min max and since i'm currently partaking in going vegan for january mm. surprisingly not that hard even though i went from a meaty kebab per week to chickpeas for dinner what should you probably give up that would make you either feel or be an overall positive change still undecided if this lifestyle is for me by the way <laughs> Uh, hitting snooze on my phone alarm in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give up. Yeah, Cut down on the number of alarms. <laughs> Kick down your door. <laughs> Scream. Uh, I've been. I've cut out a lot of soda in my life in the last like year. What does like that mean? Like I was drinking probably like three cokes a day. Really? And now I'm down to maybe like one a week. 
Okay. So it's good. I'm happy with Have that. Have you tried sparkling water? It's a revolution. That's what I drink exclusively. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that was the trick for I me. I was just talking to Jeff about it. Like I love sparkling water recently in my life. I've grown to love it because yeah. it's got basically everything I want uh, from a sort of pop beverage. But I find myself burping on the podcast now so much because I like <laughs> chug blackberry bubbly. You just have to swallow it back down and then it comes out the other end. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's, that part's so not mic'd. So as can, long as we don't get those ass mics, you know. <laughs> you can also get uh, water non-carbonated. By the way, you excuse don't, me. You, doesn't the, you, you can get the water without the, the bubbles. You can just where do I get just, this? Uh, it's, a, it's available at your local sink or you know your I, local I, I do, sink. Uh, because I've been like washing my teeth with. I just take a bubbly and then crack it open and let it sit for like. Oh yeah, weeks. Weeks. yeah, the bubble the bubbles are optional. Like really? I've, I've recently found out. Um, for me, Ugh. I've slowly given up a lot of that stuff of like uh, I don't really drink soda much and like I think milk was like my big one cuz I was a I'm a big milk guy. Uh, and there was like a period <laughs> when I when I started like thinking about losing weight, I was like, man, I, I don't know that I could like li- milk would have to be like the last resort of like I cannot give this up and then at like, this point I don't really drink it at all. Like it's Not even like a shot of whole milk on the side every once in a while. <laughs> no, I don't like I don't <laughs> go up. and buy milk when I go to the grocery store. Like I just don't have it. Like because uh, you bought the cow. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Do you still do you eat cereal? <laughs> no, like not not really. Not really? Okay. Yeah, I, I used to. Like that was that was another big thing. But like I just, it's like I think the most indulgent thing that I have now is just like every once in a while I'll buy like a chocolate bar and that I'll space out over the course of a week and that's like wow. that would be the thing that'd be hard to give up. And or maybe like eggs, which I like it, every other week it, they I don't know if they're healthy or not, but I think that would be yeah, like that, my my big one. I, that's on like it. you don't you don't I feel like. You can just get by with eggs right by now because it's like the science is so confusing about it, you know? Right. Is it chicken or egg? Which yeah. came first? <laughs> is that what you mean? No, but it's it's seriously this the constant conversation going back and forth of like, oh, eggs are bad for you. Oh, no, actually, they're not bad for you. Right. So which is it? Egg people? Honestly, I wrote down eggs for this because I've had two eggs every morning of my life for as long as I've been doing pull-ups. Um, I've also had stomach issues my entire life. Mm. And then somebody recently was like, oh, yeah, maybe that's related to the eggs. I was like, I've never considered that. That's so stupid. And so, like, now this is this is this is how my brain works is I was like, OK, maybe I just won't buy eggs and I'll try just having like granola for breakfast for a month or so. See how it goes and stuff. Um, but I have a whole carton of eggs now. So every morning I need to have four eggs just so I can cram through these through eggs them. faster so that I can right. get pure granola. Rolling. And then your, when your makes granola sense. month starts, you're going to have all this backed up egg bile in your stomach. That's going to make <laughs> Oh, awful. my egg bile. Uh, Wes Pomeroy, born and raised. He says, hey, Ben and crew, am I the only one that loves exploring fancy houses in games? One of my favorite parts of Spider-Man was exploring Norman's swanky penthouse. That was very good. Not to mention the Painter's Mansion in Detroit Become Human. That was less good. No, that was cool. Uh, Croft Manor or Hartman's Pad in Death Stranding. Mm. Do any of you share my digital interior design fetish? If so, what are some of your favorite houses in gaming? Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's super fun to like. It's like Uncharted 4 has a great one mm-hmm. at the end. You know, I mean, a couple. I mean, there's like the one at the end, but then there's yeah. also... Actually, that, that entire game is basically just exploring houses, and yeah. it's awesome. But the, the one at the end in particular I loved because it was like, you know, Nathan and his wife's house that they had lived in for a while. Right. Which, I mean, I guess that's the beginning one as well. But like, I don't yeah. know, something about the one at the end... There's more not, lore ramifications for the ending one? Yeah, not yeah. being... Yeah, like, yeah, I don't want to spoil elements at the end of Uncharted 4, but... Um, yeah, they're all something, dead. 
They're all dead. Yeah, Gone Home is a like the whole game is about that idea. But I mean, there's right. there's just something fun about getting a sort of a a peek into even if it's a fictional character's life, and the best way to do it is to like look through their stuff. Yeah, you should check out uh, Christopher Nolan's first film, Following. Really? If you're interested in that topic, because that's kind of what that movie's all about, is just like learning about people by invading their personal space. Huh. I'll be damned. James Pinto says, I finally saw Parasite. Oh, by the way, shout out. He says The Croft Manor, but yeah, Terminator 2. Like, that was the first mind-blowing experience I had with that, was exploring the, the big manor. James Minto says, I finally saw Parasite, and I absolutely loved it. I was wondering what your number one movie from 2019 on your backlog is. Thanks for all the fish. I honestly, there's a lot of these um, movies that people talk about, and I assume it's like, that's some weird... Like all of them? All, like films in general? Is that yeah, what okay. but there's like horror films that people like, and mm-hmm. I don't really like horror films in general. But like, you know, I've seen like Get Out and Up. That's about where I stop. But there's a up, lot of... Up? The horror the film Pixar up? movie? Us? <laughs> what a jerk. I mean, Up can be a horrifying movie if you consider the ramifications of this child being transported to the other side of the world. Right, right. those dogs could talk with the collars. I don't scary. know what was going on there. Secret Society. That's a very <laughs> stupid film swap. <laughs> Anyways, no, but there's those, uh, uh, there's movies like uh, Baba Yetu. What's that one that everybody says Bob, really good? Uh, uh, the Baba Yeti, is it? No. <laughs> no. Baba Yaga, you know. Baba Yaga. No. Not Baba that. Baba. Yes. Baba Duke. Yes. yes. Baba Duke. Like, I think that started it where it's like, I don't know what these movies are. Midsummer. I don't know what that is. Dude, that, that was the one that I was going to say because I watched Hereditary last week and I really liked it. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of into those non, I don't, I don't want to say like non-traditional, but like those horror movies that feel like they're not. Kind of, they're not leaning into like the slasher gore kind of stuff a little bit. Yeah, um, which is funny because like I think like it follows is probably my favorite film of the last decade, and that's like a horror movie. But it's yeah. like it's a mo- it's a movie that I think like plays with your expectations and tropes mm-hmm. like within the horror genre. But I think Midsommar would probably be the the one that I would pick from like if I had to s- the movie that I still want to see from 2019. What is Parasite? I don't know what Parasite. It's, it's is. A, Wait, it's you a, don't know what Parasite? I don't know what Parasite is. It's like the a boom, boom well, I don't want to spoil it because it's like. Yeah. Uh, no, it's like please a, don't spoil anything. Yeah. No, it's, I've completely I dodged it. Is it a horror movie? I no, assume. it's not. It's, no. it's, oh, really? No. It's, oh, it's like a, a Korean. It's like a Korean kind of like. Have you, have you seen it? No, but it is available digitally as of last week. So oh. I'm, eager, I'm eager yeah. to watch it that way. It's. Yeah. I mean, the basic premise is that there's like a. It's like this weird interplay between this poor family and this rich family and how those kind of two families interact uh without like going too Some deep sort of into parasitical like relationship mm-hmm, maybe interesting uh, but yeah it's a, it's a really good film like I, I i'm still trying to work through like what the ending quote unquote means but there's a lot of like cool um moments in that movie for cool. sure and yeah. it's right on. i mean my big one is is jojo rabbit i really, oh, yeah. I really want to see jojo rabbit just cuz i like what tt so much and like that I I was looking it up the other day. I think it's I think it comes out in like mid February or something. And that's like mm-hmm. the big one of like that I wasn't able to go see that I was really bummed about. So. Yeah, uh, I've been meaning to see 1917. I feel like I need to see it on the big screen too. Yeah. So I can't I can't wait for that one. Mine is up or us. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, yeah. You can watch either room. It's fine. We expect your book report when you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, Grizzled Gaming says, "What do you think about when you're alone in your car?" Oh, I've run through conversations in my head over and over. And actually, I found that I've been less stressed now that I just work from home. But I guess maybe the secret is I'm never in my car now. Um, But like, (laughs) I think I would just I would run through work conversations in my head when I was at Game Informer of just like 
fake arguments or I prepare for the mm-hmm. worst. Like, what if this person says this? Then I'm going to mm-hmm. counter with this. Just a lot of that. A lot stuff. of shut okay. up Becky it, con- uh, arguments. I don't know if you've that? seen that episode of the The Simpsons where Marge is, I think Becky, like some girl named Becky is like trying to like flirt with Homer or whatever. And she has like this thing where it's Mindy? like, oh, you know what? No, no, uh, no, I think her name is Becky or something. But like Marge is driving <laughs> home having had a conversation with her. And she's like, oh, you know what I should have said? I should have just said, shut up, Becky. And, <laughs> and she's driving home. So I, like, that's what I've called them when I have like those like, here's right. what I should have said. But it's preemptive. It's yeah, well, I also have those as well. Yeah. Okay. And then I, I will I'm say like one sentence out loud. Apparently has those conversations all the time in their head because I thought I was crazy. So. Is it always arguments? Uh, it seems to be a lot of arguments. I guess. Yeah. With, with, uh, coworkers. <laughs> a lot of the time. Name names. Uh-huh. We also. I mean, with Game Informer too. It was. I mean, we were. It was it was a lot of debates. Just like mm-hmm. that. I mean, that's just was sort of the function of the job. Like whether it was like arguing about how something should work or how what content we should do or like the top ten games of whatever. Like I don't know. We were always kind of preparing for debate of some kind. You know, even if it was always yeah. usually friendly. And of course, know? it's like a workplace, so there's plenty of stuff like oh, yeah, I'm yeah. Just frustrated by the way that person was treating me when I brought up that point in the meeting, like that mm-hmm. type of stuff is what yeah. I would run through my head a thousand mm-hmm. times. You know? Had, would you ever? I definitely started doing it. I guess I should say less when I got the chance to be on various podcasts. But would you ever like pause a podcast and try to like offer your two cents of like this is what I would have said in that situation? No, no. Okay, maybe I did a lot too. Okay, yeah. Like but I, you, you know what? I think anybody that does that is nuts, and if they're doing it right now, <laughs> I'm angry with them. Hold for pause. Hold for pause. <laughs> what, you should stop at the next stop sign. Look out! <laughs> <laughs> Obey traffic laws. <laughs> I don't care what you say. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Tom Blackburn says, Hey, Hanson and the Mbops. Hello. It, <laughs> is, it has taken Microsoft a long time to break into PC gaming space, but I believe they've finally done it. They accidentally perfectly timing Game Pass for PC around the Steam Epic Games Store bickering. With Horizon Zero Dawn 2 coming to PC... All right, let's stop for a second. So that was a Kotaku story. Uh, Kotaku rumor that it, they had a lot of sources apparently saying that Horizon Zero Dawn, the original... Not Horizon Zero Dawn yeah. 2, like they were implying. Horizon Zero Dawn, the original is going to be coming to PC, which is incredibly exciting. And it just is one step closer to hopefully the future of getting so many Sony exclusives onto PC. They're going to make a boatload of money with Horizon Zero Dawn, and hopefully that incentivizes Sony as a company more to put games on PC. But I saw when Kotaku broke that story, some people in the know were like, tweeting like oh boy i can't dream of any other game that might be coming to pc too and so i definitely think that's happening at this point i think it's gonna be happening this year and i think it's a smart move i already said that it was oh that's right yeah we did the predictions yeah we know but you know people are like oh is it going to cannibalize that's where tom's going with this like you know what do you expect will happen with the console wars when they spill over to pc um there's a lot there but even if sony just selectively releases stuff from the previous generation. They have so many good PlayStation 4 exclusives that they just trickle those out on PC. I don't think that'll hurt PS5 sales too much. Yeah, and and I think that's the key that we're talking about Horizon Zero Dawn, which came out three years ago. Yeah, Yeah, and so I don't think it would hurt them at all if they took, if their exclusives were still on their console and then they waited two years or three years to release it on PC, you know. As, as opposed to doing it day and date. Like, th- that yeah. seems like the a, Microsoft approach. Yeah. Which has made me say, I don't need another Xbox. Mm-hmm. It's also weird because, like, they're doing that and then they're also, you know, Death Stranding is also coming to, to PC later. Like, it's already, you right. can already pre order it. And Steam, people but... have obviously made the point that that's the Decima engine. So maybe a lot of that tech 
hurdle yeah. already was taken care of with Death Stranding coming to PC. But yes. is, is Detroit on PC? Great question. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't know so. about Detroit. I think yeah. all their other ones. Everything up beyond. until that is. Yeah. Okay. I believe. That's a good question, though. We should double check that. Because that would be one, too, right? Like I, know, I know everyone at this journey. table is just super eager for an excuse to revisit Detroit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I have finished it. Um, oh, is it? Yeah, it's on the Epic Games Store. Okay. Because I, I, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of those games Quantic came Dream. out. Yeah, Quantic Dreams came out all at once. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing just how loose Sony has been. But I mean, Bloodborne on PC, I know that's it seems like the number one demand, and I think they mm. would sell more than they sold on PlayStation. Oh. I think PlayStation folks would buy it again on PC. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it just it, there's no way it would outsell really? its original release. On of course P- not. I think it might. No, there's no it? way to take a decent bet on this. There's no way to ever confirm these numbers. But there's, there's I'll no know. way. If it happened, <laughs> okay. so we should take the bet. I just, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it would sell well. I think it would do well, but I don't think there's any way it would ever outsell the original. I think PS4 enough people version. would buy it again at this point on PC to have uncapped frame rates and stuff, and then also so many people yeah, want it for the first time. If seventy percent of the people who buy it again, that's still less than it sold originally. No, I know, but there's still the whole new PC market as well. Uh, I guess. I mean, but, you think about how many people have been playing Sekiro and Dark Souls on PC and want this from software game. Yeah, that's a huge slice of that. I pie. still, I still don't think it would outsell the PS4 version, though. I think it would. There's no way. And we'll no, have to move on. Circles, I we'll know. have to move on. Um, yes. Yeah, so I think the console wars are spilling to PC, and I'm curious if Sony will come up with a standard like three years, wait three mm-hmm. years, then put the game out on PC. Because if it's just Scattershot, I could see that maybe hurting the PlayStation 5 just for having people with that argument of like, well, I don't know if this is coming to PC, so I guess I won't buy a PlayStation 5. Yeah, and it it seems like that console shift is the time when they would start, when they would be a little more reticent and start holding stuff back maybe, you know? Like you're not going to give away your new ones that are supposed to be selling that console. Mm -hmm. But I think it, it is, this is all a symptom of the fact that Microsoft basically just gave up on the idea of exclusives. And so Sony has this leeway where they can say, well, all right, we don't have to worry as much because we're not going up against Microsoft's exclusives. You know? Right. And yeah. so and so if they want to dabble a little more, then they're free to do that. Yeah. Let's without having to worry. <laughs> Adam Walker says, and this is a very important question. Do you think beaten down Brian is a guy named Brian who gets beaten down or is he just a guy who beats down Brian's? Is Shay scared? Mm. We need answers. Uh, I th- I think he is a person named Brian who is beaten down. He is beaten down. Yeah, he is the beaten b- down Brian. It is that, I, but he's the Patreon saint himself. Yeah, I think I was I was DMing him at some point, and I think I wrote like "Hey Brian," and it like never occurred to me. I was like, "What?" I mean, his name's Brian, right? It is. Yeah. I don't know if I <laughs> leave it as a mystery. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> there's no way of knowing. I love when he tweets out pictures of his farm life. I think that's fascinating. I want yeah. more of that. More farm stuff beaten down, Brian. Yeah. Mark Polly says, Kyle, more oh. farm stuff. No, uh, Kyle, <laughs> are you still playing Breath of the Wild? How's it going on hard mode? Oh, um, I did officially pull the cartridge out to put Witcher in there. So that Ooh. was like the line I crossed. But I was make I did I finished the first uh, dungeon. I got the um where you can jump high up in the air because that's like the best one. Yeah. That's the most useful. So I got through that boss, and the bosses are tough on master mode. Do you guys know the deal with master mode? Like we talked about it before. Okay. Without me? No, you were here. Okay, but you, like the way that that enemy health works, like yeah, why it's so difficult. It. Okay, I, think, I don't remember it, but I know you talked about it. Anyway, the health <laughs> recharges if you don't like keep hitting them. Oh, so I if, didn't know if, that. Yeah, so if like with the boss, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the bosses are, are 
exceptionally tough because if you if you back off at all, they'll regain a ton of health. So. Oh, gotcha. But uh, so I've I've put it down for the moment, and I'm sure I'll return to it soon. There we go. Because I Will, can't stay away. Yep. Will K says, "Hey, with the end of our current generation of consoles in sight, I thought it'd be worth it to look back at the games that commercially at least define this generation." Below, you'll find five games listed for Xbox One, PS4, Switch, Wii U, and Nintendo 3DS. And why not, let's say, the Vita. Hmm. Uh, these games are the top five selling games in each platform and are currently organized in alphabetical order. Blah, 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 blah. So this is sourced from Wikipedia, so a little bit of a grain of salt here from uh, Will K's research. But let's just see if you guys can try and guess top five best-selling games on PS4. PS4. Grand Theft Auto V. Ye- uh, yes. Yeah. It's not on this list, what? which is suspicious. Maybe it's PS4 exclusives or something. Well, can you answer this question? Which will is GTA 5 on any of the lists? Like, is it on the Xbox list? It or? is not. So, okay, so maybe this is it's... Wikipedia sourcing. Maybe run amok. Okay. Well, eh, okay. are there third-party games still play the on game. these lists? There's not a list. I don't know what you guys are talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm checking Facebook. Facebook. Um, I don't know, Jeff. Are there? There okay. are. I on, don't know. I'm asking. There are on Xbox's list. Are there any Call of Duties? No, there are not. Really? Okay. On PlayStation Four. All, All right. right. Okay. So PS Four, uh, best-selling games. Uncharted Four. Uncharted Four is, according to Wikipedia, the best-selling game on PlayStation Four. Sixteen million copies sold because people loves the house. Loves mm-hmm. the house. Got to see that house. Right. Was the, the commercial. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yep. Um, what do you think is the second best-selling game? Is Bloodborne on there? It's not. I can't okay. imagine, yeah. Spider-Man. Uh, there we oh, go. Yeah, 13.2 million one. copies. Spider-Man is number two. God and of War. God of War, 10 million copies. Number three? Uh, yes, basically. It mm. seems like these are all tied for with 10 million copies, according to this oh. data. Gravity Rush 2. <laughs> Gravity Rush 2 with 10 million <laughs> copies sold. Uh, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. Correct. Very yeah. impressive. Yeah. And the other, the last one... This is confusing. It's a little bit of a GTA V situation in that it's a remaster. Last of Us uh, Last of Us Remaster. Uh, there we go. All those PS4 bundles. Uh, Xbox One. This one has third party. What does that tell you? All right, so... Halo 2. <laughs> well, Halo 5. Halo 5 Guardians is first place. Five million copies. Okay. Forza. No. No Forza. That seems confusing. I don't trust these numbers anymore. And no, um, no Call of Duty? Recall. Call of Duty is number two. Oh. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare okay. with 3.96 million. Hmm. Okay. Very suspicious. Uh, Third one is one of the biggest games series in the world, a financial juggernaut, and I would Minecraft. wager that none of us have ever played one of these games. Uh, Roblox. Nope. Dynasty Warriors. I think I might have played one on Game Gear. What? Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, uh, 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 well, I was going to say like a FIFA? Yep. Okay. Right. FIFA 17. Right. There we go. I was going to say Madden, but the thing that Sports made me... Sports ball. The, the thing on. that made me not do say Madden was I know you played the story mode of a Madden like two years ago. I played a couple ago. Maddens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, sure. that's, not, that's my hint. Yeah. Uh, so is there a fifth one then? Uh, and then... No, only four games have sold. Only. <laughs> Gears of War 4... Wait, sorry, Cuphead and then Gears of War 4. I'm calling huh. shenanigans on these numbers. I think yeah, this is kind of a mess. Okay, what do you guys think, according to this shady list, is the best-selling game on PlayStation Vita? Persona 4 Golden? Oh, Not on the list. Really? No. Uh, maybe Golden Uncharted, the, the that Golden is in, Abyss? That is third place. Okay, because that was like a launch one. Yeah. Gravity Rush 1. <laughs> 
with 10 million copies. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Ter- Tearaway is probably not on there, which is a bummer. But it is not, but Little Big Planet apparently the port is in oh, fifth okay. place. Oh, that's cool. Port. That's an interesting word. Yeah, I mean that was an original game. It says port. Little Big no, Planet Vita was, was it an original game? Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. I just threw port in there. No, no, it's it's like an original game. Um, it's not a port of the first game. Okay, so what do we have? Uncharted. I'm just saying port is an interesting concept for the first place. A game Black that, Flag. No. On Vita? But Assassin's Creed Liberation? is in fourth place. Liberation. It doesn't say, but probably. Okay. I mean, that was the Vita exclusive. Yeah. Think about a game that's been ported a lot. Resident Evil 4. And is a juggernaut <laughs> no matter where it is. Minecraft? There it is. Minecraft, okay. first place. Also, apparently 1.71 million copies were sold of Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified. Remember that turd? Mm. Yeah. Well, it was finally declassified, right? All, all the other versions were classified. <laughs> That's so. right. It's crazy yeah. that there's not a Call of Duty on Switch at this point, isn't it? That is very odd. Like, even if it's just like a, a Modern Warfare, Call? not not new Modern Warfare, but original Modern Warfare port or something right. like that. Because they remastered kids. It. Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, that is really strange. Yeah, I think about it. Because I mean, I understand there are Wii U games. Well, that that was like the finish line, right? Yeah. Because Black Ops Two, I guess, undersold. So they're like, nah, Nintendo, you don't get any more Call of Duties, even though this version's great because you can play multiplayer with one person on the gamepad and one yeah. person on the TV. But can you imagine if this like released like Black Ops on Switch? It would sell gangbusters. I'd probably play it. Like, really? Yeah, I like Black Ops. Lunatic. Like I have a lot of I, that's like if I were to rank like my favorite Call of Duties, the original Black Ops would be pretty high. Yeah. Like Modern Warfare 2 and Black Ops are like my two favorites. Um did you guys see like the best selling games of the last yet ten years? Okay, so according to the NPD, the top 10 selling games of the past 10 years based on dollar amounts are... So this is two, 2000... Last 10 years. Yeah. Okay, uh, what do you think number one is? GTA, GTA 5. 5. Correct. Number two... Fortnite. Call of Duty Black Ops. Fortnite is not listed here. Yeah, because for, Fortnite is free to play, so... Kyle, or sorry, Serial is exactly right. Call of Duty Black Ops 1, then Black Ops 2, then Modern Warfare 3, then Black Ops 3... Then Call of Duty Ghosts. This is the part that breaks my brain. Ghosts. Then Red Dead Redemption 2. Call of Duty Ghosts is above Red Dead Redemption 2. Well, they got that Brandon Routh. Like, you know, he really... If you put Brandon Routh in your game, you're going to outsell Red Dead. Brandon Routh was in Ghosts? (laughs) I finished Ghosts. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, it was totally minor. Wow. Uh, And then World War II. Then Black Ops 4. As the ninth best-selling game, Jeez. no campaign. Remember what a disaster that was? And look at that. Look how it turned out. Uh, number ten, Minecraft. That's. I'm surprised Minecraft's not higher. Like that made me question that list. Honestly, I is guess that Minecraft ten years? That is odd. But isn't this it? is NPD. Yeah. yeah, it was NPD. So, so it's not they do digital physical games. sales. Yep. Right. So that's oh, why Fortnite so. is not in there. Oh Christ. Yeah. Because yeah, so Minecraft garbage. is probably like eighty yeah. percent digital sales, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. If and if it's landing at number ten for f- their physical sales. Yeah. Golly. Golly. Um, Grimfeather says, I just stumbled across this ASMR video on the Japanese official YouTube channel. Enjoy 30 minutes of Charmander sleeping by a campfire. It is exactly that. It's very specific. That's cool. cool. David Blessman says, I know it's old. Oh, Oh, sorry. Dan Willie says, will any of you be watching the 3D animated remake of the first Pokemon movie now that it's coming to Netflix in February? Yes. Absolutely. I would watch that by myself realistically but hopefully i can watch Alone. with my nephews or At something night. yeah i absolutely would I, I i saw that first movie in theaters i got me too yeah. i went wanting to get the card the mew card i don't believe i got it though at our theater um but still i had a great time with that movie did i love the first movie i watched I it uh in the last month or two yeah yeah how did it hold up well there's that line which i think i've talked to you about where gotta they talk catch a, them all no no they talk <laughs> about the minnesota vikings Oh, yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah. What is it again? There's a line where uh, 
Jesse and James are tricking them and pretending to be Vikings to bring Ash and his pals to this island. And I think Brock says something like, I didn't even know the Vikings existed anymore. And Ash said, I believe they mostly live in Minnesota. Killing it. Mm. Which, is, which is just like, so it's just obviously like just, you know, you translation. Say that, but, like they were just yeah. like goofing off or whatever. As they were, if you guys it, were in the theaters, though, when that joke hit... <laughs> I thought the place was going to tear itself down. Honestly, it was like Did it really? Night of the Apollo. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just the reaction. <laughs> but it's just but like, then it implies that I like yeah, the you, next, you know, obviously the next uh, set of Pokemon games will take place in Minnesota. So <laughs> yeah. and, and now they've introduced regional variants. So I want to see like a Minnesotan Growlithe or whatever they're going to have. Yeah, do. I mean, it acknowledges that the state of Minnesota exists in the world of Pokemon. Don't yeah. think about it. <laughs> David Blessman. Kanto, Johto, Galeria, and then Minnesota. So, it's, so that joke has to be in the remake. It's, yeah, it's so. no sale if, so. uh, if that doesn't happen. Uh, David Blessman says, "I know it's old news, but what's your what's your ranking of IGN's new scale?" So IGN <laughs> dropped the the points in its scale, so it's just one through ten. Yeah. Um, it it didn't really hit me that hard. I was like, I like review numbers, I like scores on there. Yeah. And then seeing that, it's like, well, you know, they're talking about like, oh, this has been a long argument, a long thought process, and IGN's revealing now we're just going to be whole numbers, and it's like. Doesn't seem that radical at all. Like what? No, no. But I, I do like it for do what you? it's worth. Like, oh I, wait, yeah. I guess you're reviewing things on that scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've even just some like just little emails back and forth. I mean, it doesn't really change my approach to like freelance reviewing for IGN. But I mean, just in general, when it comes to reviews, yeah. simplify. Yeah, I like I like a five scale personally. You know what I mean? Like, sure. What's the difference between a, a, a eight point two five and an eight point five ultimately? Yeah. You know? So I I like it as someone who actually is going to be taking. Advantage but you of it. want it to be more drastic. I would, yeah, even more drastic would be good with me. But I, I'm with you in that. Like, it's it doesn't feel like it's going to change the way I look at IGN reviews or anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I think it's good. I yeah. think it's a good thing. I like a one scale of either <laughs> go play it or don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the the I was looking over the IGN one so. I I actually do also like it just because it's simplifying it even more. But then their their numbering scale was weird because five is mediocre and then six is okay. It's like <laughs> mediocre versus it's a soft okay. okay. It's a soft okay. Part. If I don't know, I feel like okay is a little better. Is a is a heart is a slightly better recommendation than mediocre. Yeah, I feel like sure. medio mediocre is like borderline. Me- mediocre sounds. Almost like an insult at this point, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, yeah. Which no, is it should weird. be like it's I mean, like average. Versus you know? okay. If, the, this is where it's I, weird. But yeah, yeah. I, someone, I think I've already made my argument about stupid point scales anyway. Yeah. So if someone were to just, like, hey, well, like, what do you think of the game? And their overall impression was like, it's mediocre. I would be like, I don't know if I want to play it, but it's like yeah. it's okay. And, it, right, and that right. kind of like if someone told me Dragon Ball Z Kakarot is okay, I'd be like, all right, I might play it. Yeah. Versus if they, uh, it's pretty mediocre. Right. Uh, Jared says I have a question for Ben. Do you're you... insane, serial. <laughs> yeah. You're insane. Am I okay? You're though? insane. <laughs> you're, you're okay. You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jared said I have a question for Ben. Do you like all Pop Tarts? Are they the best food? This is the most insulting thing I've ever been asked on this podcast. This is horrifying. Like, say yes or no. All Pop-Tarts, you like them. Are they okay or mediocre? Tell you what, maybe you can find out in a future oh. installment of a certain series on uh, MinMag. This is exact podcast. <laughs> Check out our YouTube channel. Uh, Greg Fleming Queso Griffith, hello, uh, says, if your life were an N64 era video game, <laughs> Jeff, this is just for you, it says, <laughs> what, what noise would you make every time you rolled? 
every time I rolled yeah. in an N64 game that was my life. Yeah. It would be a farting noise. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Kyle? <laughs> that, I don't know. <laughs> I think he's going for, like, your mouth, not the sound of you actually physically rolling on the ground. Oh, like, what would be my exclamation? Yeah, it's like, because how does, um, how does, how does, does Dash do Rendar do it? He's like, oh, <laughs> Dash Rendar, oh, the funniest one is when he takes damage. He just goes like, oh, like... <laughs> It's this loud grunt. Uh, I when I when I did that uh, classic uh, for Game Informer for Shadows of the Empire, I asked him about like that. I was hoping to get some weird story about recording that. I didn't really, but yeah. it's a very memorable grunt when Dash takes damage. That's nice. I thought, yeah, I thought you wanted like a, a N64 sound effect of rolling, so I was trying to mimic what rolling might sound like. Okay, all right. Would you make every time you roll? What about yeah. when you jumped? Huh. That would be another farting noise. <laughs> 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 a squish. That's a shark cereal. Yeah. <laughs> it, would, it would be a fart. Dying would be a sharding noise. It would be fun just to like take your favorite game and just like hit a random button and randomize all sound effects in it. <laughs> have you ever have you ever seen that Half Life Two mod that someone made where they took every sound effect in the game and just made it with their voice? No. But then they like you know you can play the game, which there's dozens of sound effects happening at any given time in Half Life Two. But it's all just a guy like making bullet sound effects or like whooshing sounds. Yeah, that's super fun. About. That's great. Uh, Max Stewart says, "Hey Ben and the Computer Loving Cohorts, uh, an ad dropped hmm. for Disney Plus the other day, and it included a clip of Iron Man from Square Enix's Avengers game with a small D-pad logo at the top of the screen." Whilst this could simply be a mistake, the presence of a unique logo that clearly implies it's a game hints otherwise. Well, he's using the word whilst a lot. Whilst I haven't seen any talk about this online, this might be a huge deal. Could it be that Disney is getting into game streaming through Disney Plus? Or this could be a way of converting video game into a TV series for Disney Plus? Is there a future for Marvel cross-pollination between the video games, movies, and TV shows through Disney Plus? I think you might be jumping to some conclusions here, Max, but I do think that's interesting that like Disney has like a set symbol for when they're showing footage that is technically from a game. Mm. Do you get that idea? So it must have been some montage showing mm. Marvel stuff, and then it's like, oh, here's a video game symbol. Mm, I do yeah, think it's interesting. Know. That could be. They, you know, they do a lot of. I mean, I know when he's saying streaming, he means like a Stadia competitor, yeah, right? Yeah. But like Disney Channel is really going hard on like game streaming, like streamers and stuff like that. Like what they they have like. On the Disney Channel, like after 5 p.m., they show like exclusively just like clips of streamers that are like kid friendly. It's very strange. Here's the future. I guess. Do you like it? Does your kid like it? I, yeah, my kid likes it. I really? guess I'd rather her watch that than like just a random streamer. Like I'd rather her watch like a TV station that grabs clips and edits them together and right. sort of like vets them rather than just like having her watch you know somebody for two hours yeah it is very it struck me as odd it's it's very strange yeah it has bleeped profanity on disney channel isn't that bizarre like they cover the mouth with symbols and stuff and it's like i was like oh weird it just really was odd to me i mean they just take different clips yeah there are no other clips (laughs) they they got them all weird bob beal says evening cohorts you sound like a million bucks thank you oh thanks um i have a game for you fellas it's called Germany heavy metal band or Castlevania boss. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So in every matchup below, one option is a real German metal band or solo artist, and the other is the name of a boss from the Castlevania series. Can mm. you find out which is which? Okay. No. Next question. <laughs> German heavy metal band or Castlevania boss. Okay. All right, Sergio Vasquez, you want to kick this off? Power yes. Wolf or Princess of Moss, which is the Castlevania? Princess of Moss. 
correct. That is the Castlevania boss. Blind Guardian or Skeleton Diver, Jeffem? Uh, Castlevania is Blind Guardian? Incorrect. Blind Damn. Guardian is the German heavy metal okay. band. Okay. By the way, I can actually, speaking of pausing and screaming, I can hear Tim Turry and also best buddy Dave Clapp screaming <laughs> right now. I'm sure. This yeah. is a game made for them. They have tattoos of all these bosses. That's right. Kyle, the creature or the creator? The creature is the Castlevania monster. Correct. It's a Frankenstein-like beast. Wow. Expert. Spirit of Dracula or Gravedigger? <laughs> Gravedigger. Is the Castlevania boss? Yeah. Spirit of Dracula. <laughs> that one was Flesh tough. Crawl or Slogra? <laughs> Damn it. Uh, I'm going to say Castlevania is Slogra. Correct. Nice. Akmodan the second or Sinner? I I think Sinner is the Castlevania enemy. Akmodan the second oh. is the Castlevania enemy or boss is a good game. Uh Corvus Corax or the Water Dragon cereal? The Water Dragon? Correct. Moonblood or Wallman? <laughs> God, please let it be Wallman. Wallman's the Castlevania boss. Right. Skull Knight King or Grave Worm? <laughs> I think Grave Worm is the Castlevania boss. <laughs> Skull Knight King. Oh, right, I started cereal. so strong. Last one. <laughs> this is very good. Nasty Grant or Van Canto? <laughs> Na- mm. Van Canto? I'm sorry. Nasty Grant is a Castlevania oh, boss. Old so Nasty Grant. Nasty. I want to see what this guy looks nasty. like. I want to see it too. I just binged Nasty Grant and it's horrifying. Uh, <laughs> well, bing, that was your first problem. Oh, weird. Nasty Grant from the Grant Dynasty. <laughs> From Super Castlevania 3? All right. Great right? Dynasty Warriors. Describe him. Let's pull him what up. What does he look like? like. Uh, he kind of looks like Grant, but nasty. Oh. Mm, yeah. Uh, look, the internet's going to be too slow down here. Um, anyways, <laughs> as they say, thanks, Bab Buell. Uh, Jacques Nell says, would you rather... <laughs> Castlevania would you, boss. <laughs> would, would you rather have 50K deposited straight into your bank account or receive 500K... What? In pennies, and you can't convert them. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> well, they're, they're useless, though. If you can't what? convert them, what, what would you do, do with, with it? Pay for groceries with pennies? Pay your bills with pennies? Yes. If you can't convert it, there's absolutely nothing you can do with it. Yeah. I can't convert it, but if I like bought a house with that and I said, hey, look, no one... I'll pay more for this house than I should. They just won't sell it to you. But they might be able to convert it. I'll give them all the pennies. I'll just find somebody who's down for a freaky house deal and then give them all hey, those what, pennies. How much is that? That's like a Scrooge McDuck situation. Is that how many pennies would be? It would be pennies? like tons and tons of pennies. All right. How do, who's good at math? That that still counts. I that feels like it still counts as converting. Yeah. So basically, if I had five hundred thousand dollars in pennies, I could just find a service or someone and say, "Hey, give me." Five hundred or four hundred and fifty thousand dollars for this. So there'd be fifty million pennies. Mm-hmm. Good God! Yes, like yes, just even using them in any way is like for any for that house deal. You would essentially like spend some significant portion just transporting those pennies. Yeah, like the thing, like not five hundred k. I don't. 
What I, do you mean? Like fifty million? Well, yeah, not not the entire amount, see? but it's like I, I, I would, have I would get the fifty k. Like I'm if, fine if, with the fifty. Do you know how to pay your electric bill right now with pennies? Could you do it? I because I don't know how to do that. But this is just like a bonus thing. So you could find some huge novelty thing. It's not like it needs to sustain you. This is how you buy your Lambo that you're always talking about. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I do want that Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. You could just make the Lambo out of pennies. Oh. <laughs> just melt that sucker down. Smelt it. Challenge accepted. Says, hey, Min Max, Sam from Anderson, South Carolina here. I have a hey, game South for Carolina, you. South Carolina, what's up? Uh, try and pick which game from 2020 will have the highest Metacritic score, and then at the end of the year, we'll hold you to it. Okay. So what, do you, what do you mean by hold us to it? He just says, and there's a picture of a knife. Attached knife. Well, let's see. So what would, I mean, the big Don't games. Don't the attachment, you idiot. So there's like the Final Fantasy VII remake. There's Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. I honestly Last don't. Last of Us 2. I, th- mm, I would, I think. I would probably lean Last of Us. I think there's people who are going to have problems with Final Fantasy, and I think the same for Cyberpunk. I think mm-hmm. Cyberpunk is going to get nitpicked to death. What's uh, Nintendo yeah. got coming out? Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. Maybe Breath of the Wild 2. No, you mean Super Mario Odyssey 2. I, I did no, not actually. I'm pretty sure he meant no, Breath of the Wild 2. you guys. Ghost of Tsushima, I'm guessing, is going to score pretty well. I think this is always the case of you think about reviewers. Yeah. You think who's going to be assigned to this? They're only going to assign the biggest Final Fantasy VII fans to the review of Final Fantasy VII. So yeah. I, think, and I But I think those could also be the most, like, you know, right. the people mm-hmm. most likely to say, well, it's not yeah. the thing that I wanted. Or yeah. It's, like, not yeah. what I imagined. So. Ooh, ooh, I got it. My pick is Doom Eternal. Those previews were really positive. Yeah. And, like, I think it's going to be the Doom, the biggest fans of Doom that are playing this game. And if it's just expanding and everything from the, the base highest game, rated, though? I would say, yeah. though, I think you, I can see a lot of reviewers dinging it for the multiplayer again, which it still has. But, but it's this not time it's, like, in-house. So maybe, or is it'll it not, be maybe it's not at launch. I don't know. And also that, that seems like it is mainstream enough that it's, like, a ton of outlets are going to review that one. And yeah. so it's not just the biggest Doom fans. Like, I would think something more like a Fire Emblem or something, you know, like... Oh, that won't be reviewed by everybody? Yes. Well, right. Fire Emblem's... Yeah, I mean... It doesn't exist. Well, Forza, like I said, maybe not the, like a couple of years ago, I think Fire Emblem would have been the perfect mm-hmm. example, but I think it's like, I think it's hit mainstream. I would also yeah. see like the Doom Eternal saying, thing yeah. being like, well, it like it did not have the cultural moment of the first one because I think the first one was right. just a, like a come out of nowhere surprise that I think a lot of people, well, it's more of that. So it's like, yeah, it's not going to get as many tens. No. Okay, what's your guys' pick? I'm going Doom Eternal. I'm going, I'm going Last La- of Us. Last of Us Part 2. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, Jeff and Matt's crying in the corner. Yeah. This is roll sound. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ow, my ankle. It's actually longer than the roll, so if you do it multiple times, it actually starts compounding the noise. <laughs> you guys said what? I said Last of Us. <laughs> I said Last of Us. <laughs> you just wake up? Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say Ghost of Tsushima, I guess. Okay, okay yeah. there it is. I'm going to say, that feels like instinctively, the moment you say Ghost of Tsushima, I think 89 Metacritic. I don't know why. Yeah. That's actually in the name. Oh. <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima, 89 Metacritic. <laughs> Like that uh, album. You guys ready for a little segment that we like to call Get a Load of This? Yeah. Yeah. Pull my phone out. Great. And you guys get your phones ready too. All right. Here it's- we go. Serial Vasquez, baby. Uh, my Get a Load of This is a little more on the serious side. a little bit like this. Uh, Hang on. Uh, Kyle stepped on you saying it's on the, the serious side by making a silly voice and saying, I ruined it. Uh, speaking of, of, of Metacritic, there's a, a Twitter thread by uh, 
Bennett Foddy over at the BFOD at BFOD. Is yeah, his name. you know, getting over it. Yeah, yeah, getting over it with himself. Uh, <laughs> where he starts the thread by saying, "The conventional wisdom is that you can figure out roughly how many copies of a game has sold on, uh, yeah, a game has sold on Steam by taking the number of user reviews and multiplying it by fifty on the pessimistic end, or a hundred on the pessimist on the optimistic end." Interesting. Uh, so he so he goes down and uh, and lists like things like golf with your friends uh, has seventeen thousand three hundred twenty one user reviews. Um, so that, remember that's between eight hundred sixty six thousand and one point seven million copies sold. Um, so it's sold you know more than he's he compares it to other games. So it's like Ico, but has zero critic reviews on Metacritic. Right. So, so he lists a bunch of games like that where it's like, hey, this game has a ton of user reviews on Steam, but not really any critic reviews compared to things That's like super interesting. Uh, Bloodborne, which has like 100 reviews, right? Yeah. And so he says, he sums up by saying, takeaways, there are a lot of game hit games uh, that do not get written up in the press at all. Reviews are no longer a prerequisite for driving sales. You can't stay up to date anymore just by reading reviews. Uh, lots of invisible market niches to develop for uh, so I think that, that, that's like a pretty good like contextualization of um, how games work right now because I think if you're on Twitter or you you know you're very online it it can feel like we're talking about this limited subset of games and it's it like it's, it's always important to remember that there's an entire world out there that is just like not covered by the press whatsoever and I think you know you can maybe take away that like reviews are irrelevant but I think that. Um, I think on the flip side, you can also say that like reviews don't really matter, so you can just do whatever you want. Like, so if you're thinking about reviews as like a purchasing thing, that's not really the case anymore because there are a lot of games being purchased that where reviews don't matter. Um, so it's like it, when you're thinking about you know like is this game gonna get you know is it gonna do poorly uh, because it, w- it didn't review well and right and like the way publishers uh, say like well. If it doesn't get X amount of points on Metacritic, then they don't get a bonus. It's like it puts that stuff into stock, you know, perspective of like you shouldn't really care about reviews one way or the other, right? Even though like for, it's more for me, it's always been more of an academic exercise of like to enrich your thinking about a game versus trying to get you to buy it or not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's a very helpful tip of the user reviews for sales. Yeah. Hopefully, I will remember that forever. <laughs> I got. Don't you guys miss Steam Spy? That was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I miss having that data. Anyways. Then, then we found out he was working for the Epic Store. <laughs> wow, well, that's complicated. A little bit. What are you well, going to do? Secret. Yeah. Hey, get a load of this. Woo! Uh, this is a super meta get a load of this. Ooh. Like it. Uh, this is obviously a super cool min-max Easter egg inside of Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Oh. And it happens when you're fishing as Goku. Oh, really? And I'm going to play you the little video. It's super cool that they added this just for us as an (laughs) Easter egg, okay? (laughs) Oh, get a load of that! There you go! (laughs) But I think of that every time. So now we have to rename the segment, right? Get a load of that. Get a load of that. that We have to point (laughs) instead of doing it here. Kyle. Okay. Get a load of this, you guys. Uh, this Twitter account at Snorkpoo tweeted, These 1995 Pokemon stickers my uncle gave me. And apparently, like, seeing people reply to her tweet, I guess it was actually 90, 1998, um, these were stickers that were given out at, like, an E3 before Pokemon came out in America. Ooh, I love it. And the stickers actually, the bottom of the sticker page actually says, Names subject to change. And so it, it has a bunch of Pokemon and what was potentially their original names. You'll have to help me out with the like, original that's Cycler, right? Yeah. His name was apparently Strike, with so a Y. That's cool. Uh, they have Cubone, wh- who is Orphan, 
O R P H O N, uh, which is what? messed up. <laughs> and well, then yeah, because he wears the. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. And then <laughs> makes yeah, perfect sense. We got it, man. And then Marowak is Guardia, apparently. Uh, Lick a tongue was. What do you think that tongue tongue tied right? Yeah. Then T Y D. And then uh, coughing, right? Coughing. Yeah. I don't know why I'm What's having. Wrong with I'm you? just worried that I'm getting the names wrong. But uh, <laughs> it's just. New York, I guess, like NY, NY? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Sounds about right. And then uh, take that, New York. <laughs> here's some other ones. Uh, I don't know if we want to go through all these, but like, there's a whole like they all have different names. That's you know? interesting. And you think oh, this Rhydon is real? And Rhyhorn is correct. Yeah, I think so. A lot of people were uh, replying like that they had seen them before. Like it was that because it was before it was gotta gotta catch them all. It was catch it was, them if you can. Catch them if you can. Yeah. And I think it was that era of like the marketing wasn't totally locked down yet. Willy nilly. So, uh, yeah. But yes, I, I, yeah, there is obviously like maybe, maybe these aren't real, I guess, but I, uh-huh. I believe that they, yeah. they're, they're real and it's, it's some weird stuff in there. Cause there are like Hitmonchan is correct. Yeah. yeah like yeah. they're not all weird. Tangela is Medusa. Right. Uh, There's a, yeah. a weird detail. Remember when the gold and silver leaks happened? Um, of like, oh, it's like early versions of gold and silver and there were like weird evolutions in there. It was there. like a demo from a, right? F- yes. Yeah. Some demo from some trade show and it had yeah. like a bunch of Pokemon that were eventually cut out, like different starters for uh, gold and silver and stuff. It's it's fascinating to look at. Um, when we were at Game Freak for the Rapid Fire interview, uh, I brought it up and I had all of them on my phone, like the pictures of those cut Pokemon. And so during the Rapid Fire, I said like, do you remember that time all those cut Pokemon from Gold and Silver were leaked? Uh, and Masuda's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, do you remember these? And I had them on my phone. I'm like, take a look at these. Do you remember these? He refused to look at my phone. It was it was very <laughs> weird. weird. We didn't make the cut. Like, we didn't include it because he's yeah. just like, I don't, I'm not going to look. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's like a weird corporate thing. Like, don't acknowledge those leaks. It weird. was very uncomfortable. Justice for Goro Chu. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, my get a load of this. Hey, guys, get a load of this. Uh, a highbrow one. Ooh. Ever heard of a little thing called the New York Times? Ooh. Not some tweet about Pokemon like this Neanderthal. I thought stuff. you would back me <laughs> up on that. Did you, did you explain the New York Times to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the, the old great lady herself. Yeah, and they like to they, <laughs> they like to share who they want to be president, and it always goes well. There's right. yep. Everybody loves it. <laughs> it just said whoever, man. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they did an article recently uh, called, I think it went up last weekend, called The Secretive Company That Might End Privacy As We Know It. Uh, and it's about a company called Clearwater AI. Jeff, this is very Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fascinating. So it tells a story of just like this uh, guy in Silicon Valley who, I forget where he's from originally, but he had like made a couple mobile apps and experiences like, oh, you had, in 2015, you could drag Donald Trump's hair onto another person, whatever. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to try making a different app. And he made uh, just a program that scrapes Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, scrapes all these social media aspects and also has very sophisticated face recognition algorithm. So you can take a picture of anybody and then if you connect it to his database, it'll scrape every picture of them from all social media and tell you like, all info like what their name is, where they live, stuff like that. And so naturally, he's been going around and sell- selling it to um, the police, uh, going around to different cities and selling this hardware, or sorry, so selling the, the program called yeah. Clearwater AI. And like at this point, I forget the exact numbers, but a surprising amount of, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Police stations, police agencies, what do you call it? Departments. Departments, yes, are using this service and they've used it to like catch people like, oh, we have security camera footage or something. Now we just upload that person's face and then here's everything about them. Mm. So then obviously where this is going and also in the code, it was revealed that like, oh, they had, they've been experimenting with the ability to put this in wearable tech, like Google Glass, stuff like that, so that eventually you could just walk around and it would be full watchdogs of seeing exactly everybody's social media presence, their name. So crazy ramifications. Obviously, Facebook is like, well, you're not allowed to scrape our images, so we'll have to look into this. But this just feels like tech that's like, well, that's horrifying, the idea that, all right, public anonymity is completely gone at this point. But then... It also feels like it seems like this should have happened about five years ago, and apparently all it's been is that the tech like companies have just this a, technology existing five yeah. years ago. Or okay, okay, yeah. But it's just been the Silicon Valley tech companies apparently have like been kind of controlling themselves. Of like we realize this could be extremely messed up for yeah. stocking reasons, a thousand other reasons, right? And so we're like limiting ourselves to do that. But now. This Clearwater AI this scrappy venture, entrepreneur is scrappy. Who says, hey, I don't have morals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'll do it. Exactly. And so it's a tough call. It's like, well, all right, it's the watchdog's future, I guess. Part of me is like horrifying, but there's no way you can stop that, right? Blow up should, all the computers. How much should we try to stop this from being a thing? Well, right in and tell us, <laughs> so, should we try to stop this? Should we try and stop the inevitable future of just... People I mean, see your face and they know exactly everything about you. There was a good Barack Obama quote a couple of years ago of just there like the way he the way the way he was like he, he was at some conference about technology and I totally agree with his idea of he's like, we're hitting a point in technology where it's no longer the question of can we do it? And now it's becoming a question of should we do it? You're like thinking of really, Ian Malcolm. Oh, is that Ian Malcolm? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, but it, it the Obama said specifically tying to issues like this with right. privacy and technology. And like it, it, it is interesting that like I feel like in modern day it is we're hitting a point with tech and everything where it is like we are hitting that question of like maybe we right. shouldn't do this stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Even, even though we can. For sure. And even if we banned it in the United States, let's say, yeah. like if it's just like a service, it is like anybody can come in from any yeah. other country and then all and, right, here's yeah, it's game and on. You, and it's already impossible to opt out of those kind of things like – your pictures are going to be up there because you're going to be in other people's pictures, even if you don't have a Facebook this, account. This is exactly They tag it. you in their pictures. Well, yes, this is the horrifying thing is the reporter like took a picture of themselves and like they said it was, oh, again, I'm forgetting the numbers, but something like 80% the photos that came up were of them and that there were a lot of photos in there that they had never seen. Mm-hmm. That it's just like pulled from different pay- like Facebook pages. And again, if it's like if you have private photos, like it technically can't get those, but there's mm-hmm. still so many that have been public for so long on Facebook and it's already grabbed all that, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe Facebook or Twitter could help kind of try and control this thing. But then it gets terrifying too because the reporter tried covering up their mouth and their nose and taking another picture of themselves. And they said it still popped up. Lesser degree, but still a ton of photos of them and knew exactly who they were. I'm sure. Yeah. So like, oh so my Aiden, god! Think of like protesters, everything. It's the watchdogs. Aiden doesn't he pull up a face mask when yeah, he goes Aiden's to do. Not yeah, not even good enough. Not yeah. good enough. I I had a a similar revelation of like the inevitability of all this technology stuff when I was hanging out with my nieces and nephews, and one of one of my nieces' assignments was to uh, write down two telephone numbers of people that she knew, and it was like. Oh yeah, I don't rem- I don't know telephone numbers. Do you know anymore. your wife's telephone number? I do actually, wow, but yeah, but but <laughs> romantic. I you, you know I then tried to tell her that like 
back in my day, we had to remember everyone's number, and it was uh-huh. just a digital pad that you were, you know, like a pad that you had to type in. And then I realized, like, yeah, we're never going back to the point where, like, people won't have a phone on them all the time that's connected to the internet. Right. Like, like those those days are just gone, and, like, that's, that's how we grew up as children, and no other generation of children is ever going to know that again. But don't you kind of feel like, well... We're just narcissists. Of course, times are going to change. It's not necessarily going to get better or worse. Just it's let gonna it move on. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse is the problem, though. I think kids growing up with social media makes them understand it a lot better than we do. You know, understand that what it's this terrible thing where well, it's they like know how you'll li- get th- harassed and. But the thing is, I think and... kids will understand like how to limit themselves and like not be as open to being harassed. And so, I mean, if that's there's my one hope. thing kids are good at, it's limiting themselves. I mean, that's what I mean. Honestly, like with the popularity of things like Snapchat and stuff, like it really is a more enclosed social media network. Like you're communicating directly with people as opposed to like Twitter and Facebook when you're trying to reach like a broader audience. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah, I'm I'm somewhat but optimistic I, I about how kids will interact with the internet in the future. I mean, maybe I'll. I will very I might likely be, be optimistic wrong, about but... like how well they understand it, but I'm not optimistic about what. And I'm not sound, trying to sound like a maniac, but I don't think it's healthy mentally. No, that, like, like put down totally your phone you and Absolutely, spend time yeah. in the real world. That's already yes. an issue. Right. That, like, Stop listening to has. gaming podcasts. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Pull those earbuds out. Throw them in the street. <laughs> Uh, and hug but, the nearest person if they're okay yes. with it. We're going to be fine. Ask. We'll all be fine. We're going to be fine. I wouldn't worry about it. Take your earbuds out and ask to hug somebody. <laughs> By God. Okay. And as always, that's how we wrap up the Midnight Show podcast. We're <laughs> sorry. Oh, that's right. yeah, sorry this has been a marathon, everybody. That's but thanks right. for sticking with us. Please uh, don't we use our faces it. or whatever. You're, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're screwed. Technology. We're screwed. Thanks oh, for yeah, watching. Yeah, we're cool. Um, just a reminder that the next episode of The Deepest Dive, the middle chunk of Chrono Trigger up until you reach the Kingdom of Zeal, Floating Island Place, and Hasa is the name of the town uh, or the first structure you go into. Um, that's going to be airing next Wednesday. We'll have the post up on Monday on Patreon. So if you're a Patreon supporter at any level, you can leave a comment and they'll read it on air as long as it's specific and you're playing along Chrono Trigger, playing along with us playing Chrono Trigger. Words it. are irrelevant. All right. <laughs> thanks so much, everybody, for watching and listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go. Whatever you do, don't start. <laughs> Keep up with the hot stuff. Don't, don't stop, stop till you, you get, get enough. enough. What does that mean? It's like when Why would you stop if you have? He's at, he's he's telling you to fill up your gas tank when you go. Don't <laughs> stop till you get enough gas so you can go on that road trip. <laughs> it's just a very yeah. just smart, you know. Yeah. You don't want to have to. You don't want to make two trips to the gas station. No. Cool. It's excellent content. Mike, check. Don't believe his lies. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear cereal? I don't believe, no. What? Uh, same with Mike. Check your mic. Uh, I did. You're so right. good. You're all so good. Was that Memento? Don't believe. I guess so. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie since high school. Yeah. <clears throat> They're remaking it, I guess. Oh, really? This time it'll be all I think forwards. I forgot they made it. Bow! Bow! <laughs> Bow! Is that, that's the new laugh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying on a new laugh. It's just me screaming the word bow. <laughs>
Okay. Uh, that Hideo Kojima's favorite short film? 